Visit Arcade Club, Europe's largest classic arcade, with over 200 video and pinball machines. There's classic consoles and computers. There is also PS4s, Xbox Ones, Wii U, PC, and Oculus Rift, and regular tournaments and competitions. All machines are set to free play. Open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Check out arcadeclub.co.uk for more details. Tenpence Arcade are proud members of the Throwback Network and the Retro Junkies Network. Hey everybody, this is Sean from the Pie Factory Podcast. And this is Jimmy G from said podcast. And you're listening to Tenpence Arcade Podcast featuring Sean Holly, except that he spells his name incorrectly. And you're also listening to Victor Marlin who gets biscuits and cookies confused. Biscuits are supposed to have gravy with sausage on them. Cookies are a treat that you eat when you're looking for something at midnight. That ain't a biscuit. Cut, print, perfect. Hello, Tenpence Land. This is the Tenpence Arcade Podcast with me, Victor Marland, a.k.a. Vertvic, and him. Hello, I'm Sean Holly, a.k.a. In Your Face, Sean Holly. Pachow! Shoot Pachow. him in the face. Shoot him right in the middle of chops. What have you been up to? Tell me first. Well, I've had a couple of weekends in between podcastings. I've been to Arcade Club. Of course. Of course. And I've been, me and Charlie Fire have been swearing at Donkey Kong. We've been swearing our heads off. Uh-oh. Oh, you frustrating young thing, I've been saying. Oh, you evil monkey. Yeah, and guess what Arcade Club are getting? I know you know. I know, but tell the listeners what they're getting. They're getting a U-beat, two U-beats. Not just two U-beats, two U-beat Q-bells, apparently. What's the difference? Is uh, it the most... I don't know, there's different versions of it, but they're all in Japanese, so I don't know exactly what the differences are. I just like playing them, I know that. Mm. I don't know... Yeah, we we sort of really got into that in the Stockholm arcade, didn't we? We did. I've, I had a go recently in London, actually, in the... Uh... Las Vegas Soho. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. One in Soho. It's brilliant. So that'd be really good. So when we come up in October for the Skyskiver Thang that's going down, I'm definitely going to be on there. So if you're looking for me at any point in the night, I'll be down there playing them. <laughs> yeah. You know both that. Both of them. Yeah, both at the same time. Me and wife will be playing them, actually, I expect. So... Thing we both did, yes, not yesterday because it's not Sunday. That's Monday. We're recording a day late. Thing we did on Saturday, there was yeah, a meeting in Cambridge for the Centre of Computer History. It was an arcade, the arcade experience they called it. Mm. What a great day and night that was! I really enjoyed it. The, you know, the, the worst part of the whole day was the horrible car journey for me just to get there. It took me mm. forty-four minutes just to get on the M4 or whatever it was for the M25. It was horrible. It was traffic everywhere. I think I found out later on there was some sort of uh, rug- big rugby event on because I live very near oh. Twickenham, which is like the home of British rugby sport rubbish. So, yeah, it was hard getting out there. When I got there, absolutely brilliant. I had such a good time. Yeah, lots of lots of great people to chat to. A really nice atmosphere in the place. Some really good cabs, some unusual cabs. Yeah. And some nice craft ales as well. It was really good. I didn't have any of those because I was travelling home. You were staying in a, in a mythical hotel. What do you mean, mythical? Well, you didn't know where it was when I took you back. <laughs> I couldn't find it. It's just, it just moved, did it? It morphed out of existence. Even the taxi driver. And that was me? I, no, on the, way, All right. on the way back. I, I went to the Centre for Computing History, got there mm-hmm. at three o'clock. At six o'clock, I got my car back to the hotel, 
checked in and then and i got a taxi back to the place and even the taxi driver couldn't couldn't sort of get his way from the hotel to the the good thing is i I knew where it was i've been there a few times before and it's sort of an industrial estate behind somewhere but i sort Mm. of traveling around i saw the the area where i remembered i remember up there and they've actually got a brown tourist sign now with with directions on there with a little sort of center of computer history which is quite nice so the council have come up trumps there never mind all that get in there the Mm. event was awesome i had so much fun in there it's just a brilliant place to visit anyway. They've changed it around quite a lot since I was last there because obviously mm. they move, move exhibits around and all this sort of stuff. But absolutely brilliant. It was such a it was like an intimate arcade party, wasn't it, in the back room? Because the back room is really big at the back. It's almost like a warehouse, but it's it's sort of got computers and a sort of mock-up of an old 60s and 70s office with computers in and there's video games on the wall to play and there's all sorts of exhibits lying around the place and computers all set up to play. Absolutely brilliant. But this event was hosted by Ian Ski, our friend Ian, and mm. Phil Nez for Life, our friend Phil. Shout-outs. Shout-outs. They'll be getting them later on. Plenty of shouts for them, lads. Mm. And probably some... Sings. <laughs> so cabs were provided by Ian, with most of his collection. I think he provided 11 cabs. Uh, Will, Dave Flinster, uh, Alex Chucky Egg, uh, Nintendo Arcade, and Roger Cantor, also and Steve Bonehag. So thanks, guys, for bringing those on. Brilliant. Apparently, there was 35 cabs in total, plus a pinball. Was that? Yeah, it's quite a few, wasn't it? It's a good little party, though. 35? Yeah, I asked Phil um, the next day just to get some statistics and, and facts of him, who actually organised it and you know who brought things and everything, who contributed. And that's how many cabs there were there, apparently. There's quite a lot, wasn't there? there was sort of, you sort of played on a few cabs and someone said, well, there's some more behind there, and I realised there's another row. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Like like four Dino Kings turned up, didn't they? Yeah, it just turned up. Yeah, turned and then, and then Alex turned up with a little Barrow track truck with his uh, Donkey Kong Junior on it, playing Donkey Kong Junior Remix. I've never even yeah. seen it before. I've heard of it, but I think it must be probably one of the only ones in the country. I would have thought. <laughs> Do you know I didn't play it? Oh, <laughs> it's good. It's really hard. I'm, I'm not bad at Donkey Kong Junior. I know how to play it. But this version remixes, as it just says, remix everything up. And some levels are quite difficult, but they're really, really interesting. Loved it. Nice. So, 11 games that Ian brought, some of them uh, hard to find and hard to see, dedicated Taito Jungle King. Now, I was commenting that this is not the usual jungle hunt. Because... When Taito released Jungle King, it's it's the guy looks very like Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, which is obviously yeah. owned by a film company. Whichever one it is, I don't remember. But they tried to sue Taito. They stopped them using that figure. And also the yeah. noise he makes at the start, the yell. <laughs> but this one has actually got it in. Because the later versions, Jungle King, I think Pirate Pete as well, which is another version with different graphics. Jungle, Ki- Jungle Hunt, Hunt, sorry has got a guy in sort of um, jungle fatigues and a pith helmet, and all the graphics are different, right. especially, especially the character. And I think the, the thing that when you actually finish the game and loop it, the, the girl you, you protect and you sort of save gives you a kiss. And the guy in, on the version I played before I went there on main, I played the Jungle Hunt version, it's really horrible graphic. It looked like they sort of really rushed that picture in, but the one on Jungle King is a lot better. It's a lot nicer looking. So it was unusual seeing one of those. I used to play that that game 
in the prison officers' club. And my dad was a prison officer years ago. In the prison, you played. Yeah, not in the prison, in the prison uh, but in the prison officers' club, where my dad mm. used to sort of go at lunchtime. Sometimes I used to go in there, and they had one there. I'm not sure if it was the same cabinet or if it's just a, a generic cab. I used to play Jungle Hunt there. Loved it. Excited on the Atari 800XL as well. A little cartridge of it. Such it a great good. little game. It's a really nice little game. I'll have to cover that one day. Ian also had his pride and joy, Mr. Do, dedicated Universal Cab there, which is a beautiful looking ex- example. Unfortunately, it broke down. And he blamed me because of a bit of rivalry between who's better, Dig Dug or Mr. Do. And I think Dig mm. Dug, he thinks Mr. Do. But, Ian, listen, you're totally correct to love Mr. Do. It's a great game. Absolutely brilliant. And it looks lovely in that cab as well. Yeah, it's a great cab, isn't it? Yeah. Some other cool cabs that were there. There's a Gyrus Upright. You don't see many of them mm. to the pound nowadays, do you? No. Alex's Donkey Kong Jr., obviously, with a never-before-played at any event. Donkey Kong Remix. Donkey Kong Jr. Remix. Uh, really hard. I'm going to buy one of those kits and also the Donkey Kong Remix when I'm in America next week. Right. Moon Patrol, which got a lot of play by my esteemed Me. co-host. Yes, you. Two and a half loops through it now on one credit. Well, that's not bad. 149,000, your title. Your best. Yeah. What's the yeah. world record? I don't know about 149 million, possibly. Probably. Yeah. I suppose just, Charlie Farr did it. It stays the same difficulty after the second loop, so... But it's still quite hard, isn't it? Because you've got those horrible things that come behind you. Yeah, they're, they're funny easy. flower it's things. The, it's, it's the almost random bullets above from these flying saucers that can... Sometimes they come at a, an obtuse angle. An Ooh, obtuse. Not an acute angle. No, yeah, it could be. Woo! And they get you and you die. What, they make a siren? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> That's me waving at them, hello. But you can't dodge them sometimes. You can't reverse or go forward quick enough and they just land on your ship. And you get exploded to death. And all your wheels fall off. All of them. Dying. I think you have 12, no, six wheels, aren't you? Yeah, all six fall off. There was also a centipede full upright. You didn't see that many of those in this country either. Usually the cab race. That's a nice game. You were playing on that? Me and Dave was having a centipede off. A A peed off. Well, that doesn't sound right, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Mm, don't put an O on the end of it either. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, Astron Belt, very rare laser disc game, which I didn't get to play, unfortunately. I wanted to have a go. It looked it looked a half-decent game. I mean, most most uh, laser disc games are absolute bobbins. They're rubbish. But Star Rider is a good game, and this one didn't look too bad either. I think it like splices in different attack waves from the DVD. So you, it's DVD? Not- Laser disc. That's it. <laughs> it splices in different attack waves, and so okay. you've seen different bits of film. Oh, that's interesting. It's very interesting how they did it. It was very convoluted, I think, though. Mm. Yeah, very sort of intricate and over-engineered. I think for what it needed to be. Yeah, Ian said he had four laser disc players, and they've all broken. That's <laughs> not that surprising. You sort of look at one the wrong way, and it stops working. Give it any. Uh, give it the evils. I got a feeling he's got Dexter running on a compact flash in there. Yeah, yeah, no, so yeah. yeah, that's probably a bit better to make it work, I suppose. A nice little converted Kung Fu Master from the rare but a bit rubbish Spectar cabaret mm. game, which is actually the follow up to Targ. I thought it was the other way around. A bit mm. more about that particular cab later. Yes, indeed. Uh, Steve Bonehead brought along Fishtails Pinball, which I didn't get a go of. That's a really cool pinball. It's got the, f- the flappy fish at the top that moves around the toy. Yeah. It starts moving around. Uh, and Flinster, as you said, brought along three of his own little dedicated Dino King conversions, which are beautifully done. And he also brought Roger Cantor's Dino King, which is one with a see-through panel on it. I think he's mm-hmm. got Shinobi running at the moment. So that was nice seeing a little pretty row of little cabs. 
Roger's getting into Flicky, by the way. He's always liked it. Yeah. Because he picked up a PCB at one of the shows years ago and, and mithered me about it for really cheap. But then, when we played Flicky, I hated it. And I still don't like it. I love it. Rubbish, stupid game. <laughs> uh, a bar was provided by a local beer guru. Uh, and pizzas arrived a bit later on. Uh, decently provided for refreshments. At the, it's kind of like a, 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 a school type of tuck shop, didn't they? Yeah. Which was quite fun. It's always been there. The guy even looked comically shocked when I tried to pay the £3.60 worth of drinks with a 50 quid note. Yes. He sort of looked at me strange. No, not really. Not really. They've never seen him up here, then, £50 no. notes. Hey, you? kids, I never have £50 notes, but I'd sold a load of old consoles that morning. That's why I had some money on me. It doesn't mm. happen often. So I was flush. But it didn't last long, as we'll talk about later on again. Yes. Some money left my wallet. <laughs> like the broken token do, let's spend Brent's money. This is let's spend Victor's money, but Victor was spending it. Hmm. Mm. Mm. It was really, really nice to meet with some people I'd not met in the flesh before, and also good to catch up with some old regulars. Loved it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the event was sort of on in the daytime. The museum was open, and the public can go around and everything. We were sort of there milling around and talking and helping and stuff. But when the actual museum shut at 5, it stepped up a little bit, and it was in fully in swing by 7pm, which was when the official event started. So 80s music got playing. There was some sort of low lights going on, groovy lighting, and it felt like a real arcade. It was really nice. Did you see the video projector of, of the old films they were putting on? Yes, because when you and I and Chris Parsons and I think Flinster were talking, we were talking about something, and every now and again we'd look up, and they were doing a, like a top 50 80s films or something on the projector. And I went, oh, look. And we were just talking about like Ferris Bueller. Oh, look, there he is on the wall. And then the next Evil one dead. Like, yeah, yeah all this sort of stuff. And it's like, I bet Breakfast Club's going to be on next. And two minutes later it came on. So it was quite good. Yeah, long may this kind of go on. I, hopefully... Uh, then, well, hopefully the, the guys are planning the next one already. And uh, if it's a decent day, I will bring a cab with me this time. I think it's been an idea to get everyone to bring a cab if they can. Just mm. pop one in the car. Because I've, I've got mainly cabarets now. So they all fit in the car. I can easily fit one cab in the car. And it's not too yeah. far from me. It's only an hour and a half, two hours away. So I can bring a cab down with me next time. Be good. It was a, it was a long way for me, but I tied it in with a visit to my mother's. So yeah. that was good. Yeah. Awesome. I read here, you did a walk around that. I did see you with a video camera with him. Yeah, we did a video walk around me and Alex, so hopefully that'll be on his YouTube channel, as long as he's not cut out all my mucking about, which will be 90% of it. Yes, it'll be like a four and a half minute video then. It will be, yeah. Nice one. Arcade News. So, after getting married in an actual arcade, this couple's first fight was actually Tekken 6. There's an article on Kotaku, which is really good. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. And also, Alex, Chucky Egg, he's on a Walter Day card. He's got oh. on a Walter Day card, and we haven't. It's a bit of a sore point. I want my <laughs> stupid face on the Walter Day card, and I want your yeah. face on there as well. For all that rubbish work we've done with podcasting, how dare they not recognise us? Do they not know who we are? The best arcade podcast in all of Englandshire. Well, maybe not. The only one, are we? Three or four down, maybe. Out of one. Yes. Anyway, well done, Alex. Yeah, awesome, well done, mate. Uh, we found a documentary, Sound and Light, Return to the Arcade. Oh, I like which, returning to arcades. Which is 
I think he's got a galloping ghost in it and then other bits. I watched this about a month ago and in my memory I've forgotten. Nice. But that's worth that's worth a listen. Yeah, on YouTube. Or even, or even a watch. A watch. And oh this is good. Have you seen this? This was I, I found this sent it to you, but I think you had it on here already. Yeah, three or four days ago. This guy, Matt Brailsford, has taken an old Tommy dashboard little handheld game with a like a little mini steering wheel and a gear stick and he's I think he's put a pie in it and he's put outrun on it. Proper outrun. Yeah. And all the dials work with the game and everything. And it's got the yeah. gear shifter and absolutely brilliant. It's like what I did to my little Frogger VFD times a hundred in, in quality. He's done a really good job of it. And he, I, I did say to him, oh, look what I did a little while back. And he said, oh, yeah, nice one. And then uh, I said, we're going to be talking about this on the Arcade Podcast. So I'll have to link him to that so you can hear, hear his name on there. But well done, sir. That's such a good little piece of kit. It's really smart. Mm. Hopefully people will keep doing these. Yeah, it, it does look really good. It looks really smart. Because uh, I'm not sure... I remember that game in the shops when I was a kid. I can't remember what the game was actually like. Was it an LCD game? Was it like a... Because it wasn't Outrun theme. It was just a car game, wasn't it? Yeah, was it even I a think... clockwork one? Like a sort of rolling road type thing? A mechanical game? I'm not sure. We'll have to, have to look that up, aren't we? Yeah, I think, it's a, I think it was a mechanical game, you know. I sort of, sort of remember it. But also, someone found... There was actually an Outrun-themed game like that, but obviously not with the proper Outrun gameplay on it. Just a rubbishy version, I suppose. Mm. That's a really, really cool little bit of kit, that. Such a nice make. It's clever how he's got it working. I think he used the gear stick as the accelerator kind of thing, didn't he? Something like that. I don't know, it's clever, though. Because mm. obviously it's a tabletop thing, you haven't got pedals or anything. Yeah. Unless you just operate some little pedals at the front of your fingers, I don't know. I don't know how he did it. Mm. Tony's, Tony Temple's blog, another great entry into his blog about Atari Island. This is a really interesting one, this. Yeah, it is. Very Some good. great photos as well. Oh, Wouldn't you love to walk around there, if you could transport yourself back in time, walk around the Atari Island plant, see all them rare games being made like in their hundreds? Be awesome. Do you know... I'll just <laughs> whip a few in the car before I went as well. Can I just borrow this? If I was a time traveller, right, I wouldn't go back to see Jesus or anything. I would go back to 1972, Andy Capp's cavern tavern yeah where, have a go where, at pong yeah where pong was i go oh. this isn't gonna work i'll take this over let me take the project on and then i'd get i'd sort of stay in that timeline while all the arcade games were released you know like you, you get after pong you got a few crappy bits and then you got like tank and then you got sprint and then you got jet fighter and then you got yeah. breakout and oh god it went brilliant wouldn't it growing up then yeah, well, those Bronze Age games evolved. That'd be absolutely brilliant. Just imagine seeing the first colour game for the first time. Yeah, imagine seeing Galaxian. Well, I did see Galaxian. Yeah, but if you think, right, back in those days, even well, even for me as a kid into the sort of early 80s, there was only one colour TV in the house. You wouldn't have seen a colour TV in an arcade. Mm. It was Everything was black and white. I mean, my, my first TV for the first few years of my my sort of, well, having a bedroom with a TV in it, was black and white. I never had a colour TV for years and years. It was a little tiny black and white, a little twelve-inch black and white. My brother had a tiny little black and white. When we were having a fight, as we normally do in his room, <laughs> knocked the telly off, broke it, Uh-oh. didn't work anymore. So for years, when we we started fighting, me and my brother, my mum would say, "You know what happened last time? You broke the TV." Yeah, and you just stop. And, go and even, when, even when we're thirty-four, playing around, she says, "You know what happened last time?" <laughs> You broke the TV. Mums have a habit of doing that, don't they? Mum, I was eight. Anyway. <laughs> and she said, yes, your brain still is eight, you idiot. 
yeah, she's quite So nice. everyone get on the Arcade Blogger site, have a look at that. And also, he's updated it recently. He's yeah. finished off his Battlezone restoration, but he hasn't got the boards working yet. He needs to send them off. But the actual um, cabinet looks lovely. It's beautiful. If mine can look half as good as that, I'll be pleased. I couldn't have done a better job myself. I honestly No, couldn't. you couldn't. You definitely I could, couldn't. I couldn't have done it at all, in fact. No. no. Here's another good blog. Soul's, Soul's done another update. And this is his experience on Mega Twins, or as Mega we say, twins. Mega Twins. <laughs> Did he like uh, it? I've not, read, I've not read this yet. I'll have a look. Have a look. Actually, he quite liked it at the end of the post, yeah. But why? It's dull. We'll have to get onto that in the feedback. A couple of other people do like it. Oh, System 16's being updated. Yes, after an 18-month hiatus. Yeah, uh, System 16's a really good site we use quite a lot, don't we? Mm. For our interesting facts. And the guy, apparently he's called Toby, he's back updating it again, so he's updated the Atari part of it and something else and something else. Do you know, on System 16, there's no Nintendo area. Ah. Yeah, there's there's stuff like Exidy and, and Sega, obviously, Namco, Atari, Taito, all the big names. There's no Nintendo. Is it not in the miscellaneous? I don't know. I was looking for it to find out what, what other chips Donkey Kong ran on for our research. I know it's a Z80, but I was trying to work out what other chips it was as well, and I couldn't find anything for Donkey Kong. Wow. I could have just opened my machine and have a look, mm. but I didn't. Oh, hey. oh, this is a good one as well. Uh Someone called HiRiser on the itch.io site has made a game for the Spectrum, a port of my one of my favourite Konami games, Turtles, not to be confused with the Ninja Rubbish, called Terrapins. And if you listen on, listeners, uh, when we talk about the ports, the versions and ports on computers and consoles, I'll be doing a full review of it. Nice. Mm. Arcade pickups. Okay, right, let's spend some more of my money, shall we? Because I've picked some things up. I've picked some things up in the past two weeks. I have only picked up... You better do yours first, because yours is going to be just as long, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to cut back on all this spending. I know, you're terrible. Anyway, uh, I've not spent anything again, but I did get a Space Invaders mug from the Centre for Computing History for winning the Centipede tournament. Damn you for winning that tournament. I didn't I didn't have time to play on it, actually. I wouldn't have won anyway, but, I mean, I was just chatting to people and playing. Playing a lot for a change, which is good. Yeah, I play quite a bit. And I gave the mug to my brother in an effort to get him interested in, interested in old arcade games again. Did you break a TV in the, in the meantime? No, but you know what happened last time. You know what happened last time? You knocked the TV off the table. Yes, Uh-oh. mother. Yes, mother. And we've, we've never heard less since... So that's all you got. Right, let's get on to mine. First one was a, a, a cheap purchase. New set of screwdrivers. Nice. Doesn't sound exciting, but my toolbox has got a hodgepodge full of weird screwdrivers I've obtained over years and years. Like my favourite red-handled screwdriver. Mm-hmm. I've got two of them, special ones they are. And other ones that never quite fit the screw I want. And this one has got a bit of a chip in it. This one might work. This one's a bit bent. I thought, sod it. I'm going to actually go and buy myself a decent set of insulated screwdrivers. So I went into... I can't remember I got them from now. Maybe just Wilco. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. It's not, nothing expensive at all. They look quite good. It might have been Class Olsen. I can't remember. But it's actually a full set of screwdrivers. So you've got like great big meaty ones. Mm. Cross-ed and flat-ended. And some little ones we get into the little stuff. So... I'm going to put them in my toolbox and won't have to 
round the head off screws and swear at things as much as I usually do anymore. Which is nice. Everyone should get a decent set of screwdrivers. You can pay up to quite a lot of money for them. I was looking on RS for some professional screwdrivers. And you can get them like 10 quid each. And I wanted like about you know at least a, a set of 12 to 15 screwdrivers. That ends up being quite a wedge of cash. It does, doesn't it? Mm. And I'm not exactly a pro. So I sort of should treat myself some cheapy ones. But they seem to... I've had a go of them. I've used them quite a bit ex- extensively. They seem quite good. Good. Right. Guess what? I only got a cab. Yes, I was there. No, you weren't. This was I the was. one before that. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, last weekend, I had a private tweet from Rolly Retro on Twitter. And he said, someone's selling, have you seen this? Someone's selling an ISIS cab, a sub-electro ISIS cab. Which, unfortunate name nowadays, but these were British-made cabs I used to play as a kid in the chip shop near my house. I always remember seeing the ISIS, and that's what ISIS meant to me for years and years. You know, there was a British cab used to have as kids. So, one had come up on eBay, so I sent the man a message, and it was an offer. So, I said, give less than the, the actual asking price. He agreed to it. He said, can you come down and get it in person and pay me cash? I said, yes, certainly. So I went to wife and said, uh, do you fancy a road trip? She sort of looked at me and said, where are we going? And I went, <laughs> Suffolk, which is quite a way away. She went, when have we got to go? I said, well, I don't know, go today or we can go tomorrow if you want. She went, okay, we'll go tomorrow. And we'll swing by Norwich and have a look around Norwich Town. Because Norwich Town's quite a nice place as well. Yeah. So we did that. So we went bank holiday Monday. We went up there. Uh, it was a bit of a boring drive. It was all silly little roads and that. But it was okay. Quite hot. Uh, three hours to get there. Met up with a guy called Rob, who was a very nice chap. And he had another little cab there. I sort of helped him out with it a little bit. He's, he's very new to it. And uh, he was sort of asking a few questions. And he had a bomb jack PCB in this other cab. And it had no backgrounds. And I said to him, you want to just probably you know, carefully take the uh, EPROMs out and give him a bit of a clean pump back in again. And he sent me a message later on saying, I did it and it works. Nice. Easy fix for a newbie. Excellent. But he's going to convert that cab into a jammer cab because it's just running Bomb Jack, which will only run Bomb Jack and a few other games. Star Force, for one. Actually, they've got the same pinouts. So mm-hmm. he wanted to put jammer in there and put 60 in one, which is probably the best bet if you haven't got tons of experience and tons of PCBs to play. So I said to him, yeah, yeah, you need to get this and this. I'll give him some links and I'm going to get stuff. I'm going to give him a hand via emails and stuff of what to do because it's fairly easy to do and I told him to listen to one of our old podcasts where in the tech tips I wired up a jammer cab remember? no that's good it was a while back so uh, yeah so hopefully he'll get that sorted but in this little ISIS cab which is not a bad little uh, little cab it's quite nice looking there's a little bit of wood missing off the back which I've fixed already the area right at the back of the top where the marquee light goes in it was a piece that had been pulled off so I replaced that quite easily. Just popped some screws in there. It didn't have a marquee light in it for some reason. It looks like from factory it hasn't had one in there. It looks like they just didn't put it in. And also the speaker usually goes above the monitor. So it's in the, in the top piece where the marquee is. Yeah. And the screw, the, the, the speaker had been screwed in the bottom of the cab, like in the middle of it, which is unusual for ISIS cabs. They've got little slits at the top where the, the speaker goes. But there was no holes in it where it had been screwed in. So I think that was from factory as well. It's a bit weird. And also, the front of it's different to my other one. So it's a variation on Lysis cap, which is a bit ah. odd. But it also came with a Arkanoid game in it, PCB. 
Now, I thought it was an original Arkanoid at first because it's a very distinctive white PCB. I think Arkanoid is the only game that's got on a white PCB, as far as I know. And uh, it's not really a game for me. I'm not very good at it. So I had a go when I got home, played it a bit. Made a new panel for it already mm-hmm. with two joysticks and two buttons. So what I'm planning on doing is putting Rescue in there. Remember that game Rescue by Stern? Yeah, you like that, don't you? That I helicopter do thing. like that. So I'm going to pop that in there and have it in there permanently. So the Arkanoid and the Spinner are going to be for sale. But and then the, the Spinner stopped working, so I've got a new Opto for it, for goodness sake. So that's a bit of a pain. Yeah, so uh, that's in the arcade. It needs a little bit more work. I think the monitor needs capping because it's quite sort of dim at the bottom. It looks like it's sort of faded at the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And when I looked in there with a, with a light, I noticed there was a really big 6800 microfarad um, cap. It was like a, quite a big one, so an inch diameter, about an inch and a half tall. The top of it, the plastic lid, had sort of come off, and it looks like it's about to blow. So I'm going to have to change that soon and do, do a full cap mm-hmm. kit on it and have a look. But it's got a bit of burn on the screen as well, but gives it character, I think. Yeah. It, it was saying at this meet, it's, it might have been you actually, it's not, not so bad when the games are on. because When, you, when the games are off, yeah. the burn is a lot more apparent. It, when it? it's off and if you've got a very light screen, so you've got a white screen come up, you can see it a mile away. But if you've got a black background, like a space game, you hardly ever notice it. Mm, it's yeah. just not too bad. It depends what it is as well, because if you've got a great big lump of burn in the middle, it can be a bit off-putting sometimes. But if you've got it sort of all over the screen, it's very light, and then you put a, a, a sort of smoked plexiglass over it, it hides a lot of it. It really does. Because when mm. the game's showing through, you don't really see it through it anyway. Do you know how to get rid of the burn? This Go is on. Is this a new tech tip? Have, yeah. got, have we got to put it in the section or what? Yeah, just take the net card off, get some whipped cream... Spray, oh, really? spray it into the hole so it sprays all the inside of the tube. Yeah. And that will cover up where the burn is. Whipped cream, kids. Shall I go into how that won't happen? Why? What? Because of vacuum, you idiot. The tube no, is a vacuum. You, you can't you get don't anything need in a it. vacuum. You're not going to No, not it. a vacuum don't... cleaner. Oh. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get the Electrolux on it. Oh. No. No. Sean, Sean, promise me you'll never do that. I'm not promising anything. I think it's a good idea. And your screen has got burned, so you better try it out right now. <laughs> not, there's not no burn on mine. Very well, very tiny mm. bit. Do you want to know about my next pickup? No. Okay, oh, yeah, I'll tell on. you. Only another cab. Yay! I've got two cabs in the past two weeks. I was there for this one. Yes. Uh, at, the, at the Cambridge meet, I found a little cabaret to play. And I went, oh, this looks looks like a... A converted asteroid because it's got a very sloped back to it, but the front didn't look right. It's sort of got a a bent up panel on the front, where asteroids is sort of a, a very almost a straight one with a little tiny bend on the front of it. So it didn't look quite right, and the angle wasn't right. So what the hell was this? And it had Kung Fu Master in it, so it'd been converted to Kung Fu Master. It had a little little marquee at the front with a light behind it, and it was quite a nice little game. It had a massive ball top on the joystick though, huge thing, mm. about forty mil diameter. It's a really big one. It's an oversized one. So I was playing Kung Fu Master quite a bit. Oh, I really like this game. The, the monitor was a little bit off on it, but you know it was okay. It needed a little bit of work. And um, Will came round, and he brought a few cabs with him. And he said, oh, this is my cab. Because I said, whose cab is it? That was Will's cab. And I said, I want it. Sell it to me now. And he went, uh, uh, what? And I, I just got my wallet out and said, here, take what you want out of this. I want it. And he said, look to me. And he went to go, and went, no, not really. 
and we, we I offered him some money and he counted it and I counted it again and we came to a deal and I got a good cab for a good price so thank you very much Will uh, I've had it home I tried to adjust the monitor because the picture is to one side mm. and it's a very old Japanese monitor I'm not sure it's a Toei or a Hitachi monitor but there's not many controls to change the, the, the screen very much there's not very much adjustment on it and I was thinking oh you know it might need a cap kit and it's a bit old it's been capped already because when I looked in the back of it you could see the caps were brand new because they just yeah. look new and Will had also said later on that he had capped it already and um, so I was looking at that and I thought oh let me just try another game on it a minute because Kung Fu Master was in there original Kung Fu Master which I, I want to keep it as because I really like Kung Fu Master and I put another game in I think I put uh, a Puznik game in it's one I had lying around which is a small PCB and I know it was a horizontal game perfectly in the centre of the screen it was actually over size I had to bring it down to bring it inside the screen that's unusual so I put Green Beret in which is another horizontal game that mm-hmm. fitted in the screen lovely it's just a game I think I think right, it's just a yeah. game is, is it outputs the, the monitor slightly different I don't know how it is but I have actually got a spare Hantrax 900 14 inch monitor in the loft so I might pop that in there and keep that other monitor for a future cab because so I'm sure I'm going to get another few cabarets in in the you know, in the future, and maybe one of them need a monitor, so I'll just keep hold of it for now. Because it wasn't too bad a monitor. Neil 20 to 5 is after a 14-inch monitor. He's going to have one of mine. He can, I, I'll, I'll sell it him. Okay, you've got to get out of my sticky clutches first. You haven't given your centipede to Steve Tyke yet. Nope. I said he could have it, you're going to let me down. I'm going to let you down. <laughs> I'm so going to, I'm going to drop you so far down. But the interesting thing is, right, I, I want to talk to Will about it, I said, what cab is it? Because I knew it wasn't an asteroid. He said it was a, an Exidy Spectar, which is a really old game. It's like a sort of maze car type chase game. A maze uh, shooter, yeah. Yeah, and as we, I said earlier, it's the follow-up to Targ. I thought Targ was the follow-up to Spectar, but it's the other way around. And I remember, I'm not sure if the new No Quarter did it or when Carrington was still there, but they did Spectar on No Quarter podcast. And I think they quite liked it. But it looks a very old, primitive game to me. I'm going to try it on, on MAME and see what it's like. But Will said I, he's got all the bits still. I think it was a graphical problem. But he's going to give me all the bits next time I see him as well. So right. I might be able to get it running. But I'm not going to convert it back to Spectre, I don't think. Cause it's not a game I really want to play. But um, Kung Fu Master will be going in there eventually if I get that monitor sorted. And uh, I'll have a little Kung Fu Master dedicated. Nice. I, might, I might get a little switcher in there so I can put another game in it and switch between the games. I like doing that with those little cabs. It's quite good. Mm. So I'm really pleased to have that, and it fitted in the car again. I love squeezing stuff in the back of my Golf. It's great. <laughs> madness. Absolutely madness. Two cabs in, in probably a week, actually. Yeah, one was on the Monday, and the next one was on the Saturday. So within a week, I've got two cabs that I didn't expect to have. And no room. And no Well, I had to move the... I was talking on, on offline earlier... The Sunday morning, after I got back from Cambridge, I got back to about 2 o'clock in the morning, I left quite late. So it was such a good time. I stayed there late. Took you back to your hotel when you remembered where it was, you fool. <laughs> got home, and then the next day I sort of got reasonably early. I was working on the podcast, doing some of the notes for the Donkey Kong bits, because quite a lot to talk about with Donkey Kong. And then after that, I rushed in the garage, and I had to tidy a load of stuff, because I was actually doing some of the controls from that other ISIS. So I had wires all over the floor soldering stuff everywhere, bits of stuff I've chipped and cut off the cab, you know, like little wire ties and old bits of wire. So I had to tidy all that up. 
I had to move some cabs around, I had to take the wall mounts off the table they're on because it's too heavy to move, pull the table down towards the door, put the things back on and shift everything down. A bit of cab Tetris going on. Mm. And it looks really neat now. It's sort of it's quite tight, but not too tight to play the games. You can actually get in to sit at the candies with little stools. You can play the games upright, it's no problem. I'm thinking when I do get more to ISIS cab, which I'm going to get, I want a little like, row of four or five of them. The wall mounts are going to have to go out of there for now. They have to be put in storage. I don't want to get rid of them because I really like the wall mounts, but there's no room at the inn at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that will have to be thought of later on, I think. And then two of my big dedicated cabs may be going in the future just for room. You'll have to start moving stuff into your house. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I like the house as the house. You know, mm-hmm. It's nice to have one area because... If you had to sort of, you know, when people come around to play and stuff, you don't want to be sort of going in and out of the house to play different games. You want to be in the in the same area, really. A, yeah. big, a bigger room for the game would be nice, but I haven't got that option at the moment. We might be mm. thinking about moving next year, so we'll have to talk about it in the future. Yeah. But still, it's okay at the moment. You can get in, you can play. It's quite neat and tidy at the minute. There's still some work to be done on the cabs, which I'm looking forward to doing after the holiday. So that is about all my pickups, he says. Hmm. Two cabs and a set of screwdrivers. Wicked. <laughs> Arcade Victorian insults. Evening podcast audience. No time for pleasantries. We have a Victorian insult to do. Yes, God save the Queen. Victoria, of course, you dig poops. You got. Before we start, were you half rats last evensong, Barnaby? I remember you sitting in my hackney carriage, not knowing where your hostelry was. Um, Humphrey, I may have had a snoop at the barmaid's filthy apron. A few sherry's maybe, what? Um, let's speak about that raggedy bottom constructionist and fellowship of Nintendo, Alex Carruthers Crowley. What a bag of carrots this man is. His mind is constantly filled with products from that far-flung company, Nintendo. I believe he sleeps with a picture of Donkey Kong by his bedside. A flapper for Zelda, even. I'd wager he has a tattoo of Shigeru Miyamoto about the cheeks of his posterior. He certainly is a curator of Nintendo filth. Jolly good show, sir. Ah. Listener feedback. Feedback. We have a surprising amount of feedback, seeing as we forgot to advertise the podcast on any of the forums. <laughs> I keep doing that. I sort of edit it, and I let you listen to it to to make sure any any silly mistakes or recording errors and stuff. And the next day, I dump it out, just press it on my phone and dump it out, and then forget when I get home to do any advertising. Sorry about that, podcast listeners, but people usually it goes out on Twitter automatically, and then a load of famous people put up, you know, sort of glowing reviews of it, which we'll talk about later on Twitter usually. But yeah, we have had a bit of feedback. So the first one's a photo link from Anad Elad Reli. What is that guy's real name? Is that his real name? I don't know. It's a good name. It's a strong name that I can't say very quickly. And it's a link to a Flickr album, Growing Up in Arcades, 1979 to 89. There's loads of cool pictures here. Excellent. Really good stuff. There will be a link in the show notes on our website for that. Yes, there will be. Here's one from Ian Davies. Hello, chaps. Great podcast again. Cheers for the mention. I think I left my initial excitable thoughts in the first flush of romance with Tenpence Arcade, so I had kind of forgotten about it, so I was surprised when I was listening yesterday and you responded to my witterings. I work from home a lot, so my 
own master of audio and I'm rapidly running out of episodes as I'm binge listening to the moment which doing the day job. By the way, Victor, you are 100% correct about Mr. Driller, an amazing and addictive game which I'd never heard of. Somehow looks and plays older than 99 in a good way. Sean, I know you don't tend to trouble the world with modern gaming, but I can heartily recommend a twin-stick shooter on Steam for Windows called Nex Machina. Eugene Jarvis was a consultant, and it shows. It's mental fun. Anyway, thanks again, and keep up the good work as you guys rock. Ian, also known as I Am The Star Man. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Well, that's um, feedback from Peter K. Man, or I'm now going to call him Peter Cosmic Cat. He's just a cosmic cat. Ooh. A funky little cat. He's Koskimaki, isn't he? Something like that. Koskimaki, yeah. Yes. Sorry, Peter. Anyway, he's me going on about getting a candy, maybe. He's put, don't get a Blast City cab. They are the worst Sega cab. Monitors are useless in them. Oh, didn't know that. Oops. Do now. Tagster. Few years back, I won the Donkey Kong Champion competition in Melbourne, Australia. Here's the write-up. And he's given a link to Oz Retro Gamer, where he won the King of Kong. I think he won it with that 150,000 points. PAX Australia, yeah. Hmm. Well done, you. Well done. I'm just trying to find the link. 103,900. That is a low score. I tell you what, we've had some fantastic scores. We'll get on to that. Not by me either. I've had a few games and I'm Mm. not as good as I used to be. No. Andrew Driver, he tags us in a Donkey Kong Flyer tweet and he says, one for us deluded followers of them there biscuit munching reprobates. Oh, yes. Stuart Time Warp. So, right now, I feel full of self-doubt and utter confusion of my own self-worth. Why, I hear you ask. Mm. Because I always thought Mega Twins was actually a pretty good game. It played well, looked good, sounded good. I used to play it when I used to stick up for my local pub Skittles team, as they had an arcade machine by the front door. And it was certainly more fun than watching pensioners play Bridge and Yukra. Yukra? It's a card game, I think. Is it? After a couple of months, before they changed the game to Pop and Twinbee or something, I managed to do the first three levels on a single credit, found lots of secret chests and coins hidden in trees or bashable bits of rock and such like. I liked it. I even went out and bought it on the Mega Drive a couple of years later and enjoyed it again. But to hear so much negativity against it, I mean, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I at least expected it to be 50-50. But no. Seems it was almost universally hated. Now I am confused. It's not that bad, is it? Really? And seriously, worse than Peter Packrat? No, not worse than Peter Packrat. I'm off now to go and reevaluate my life. <laughs> We've had a real life Donkey Kong film tweeted to us by Sol, which is quite funny. Have you seen it? No. It's it's re- it's like real ca- actors on girders and stuff. <laughs> Good. I'll watch that later. Nice. It's nice. There's a long one from Neil twenty to five, and this is why. Firstly, apologies for not having been about lately, not left feedback for ages, but I'm still here listening to your every word, just busy with other stuff. That's fair enough. The last few podcasts have kept me amused throughout. The quality has been really quite high for a couple of rank amateurs. <laughs> the last few games have been a bit hit and miss. Fantasy Zone hit! Dr. Micro, miss. Hit! Mega Twins started good but quickly fell away, but hey, you guys pulled it out of the bag this week with Donkey Kong. Oh yes! Oh yes! <laughs> what an iconic game, which ironically, despite me loving everything about the game, what it did for Nintendo and arcade gaming, the handhelds it inspired, that I loved and treasured back in the day, and despite me scratch building a dedicated minicab, I've never really put any time into the game. I would just play it, die quickly, 
sometimes, getting further with some good fortune, then move on to something else. Even the knowledge of attainable kill screens, the whole King of Kong, loads of great sites on the net to inspire and teach techniques, I just never have until now. You guys have made me really fall for the game. It just doesn't get boring or frustrating. Even the rogue barrels to your heed as you jump for the top hammer don't seem to annoy me, and the majority of deaths are my fault. And for the split second that screen freezes when you die, you can instantly see what you should have done. Chuck up to experience and then try again. I'm currently just below 100,000. Crap compared to some, but great compared to where I'd previously been. I just need to master the springs on level 4 and beyond, and I hope to really improve yet further. So thank you, Victor and Sean. Like some online dating agency, you have found the perfect match. Forever indebted, <laughs> Mr. 20 to 5. Uh, he's also said at the bottom of his feedback, feedback over. Can I please ask for a special shout-out on your next podcast, please, for our dear friend, Mr. Trollnads. Neil was after a diner king near to where Trollnads was working down south, so Trollnads sorted him out the sale with the seller, picked up for him, and is temporarily storing it for him. The man is a legend and a gentleman, says Neil. Is he deluded? I put that bit. <laughs> yes, he is. He's a horrible troll <laughs> with nads. He's nice. He's nice. He's trying nads. Alex, cracking podcast boys. He's put, thank you, Alex. Uh, Sal Bergalarisi. This is about Donkey Kong. I don't understand how people can get 200 and 300,000 points or more. Such a tough game, but one that I thoroughly enjoy and constantly find myself returning to, even though it can be so frustrating to play. Yeah. I am Jimmy, he is Jimmy. We are Jimmy. We are Jimmy, we are the Borg of Jimmy's. He's, he's also talking about Donkey Kong, gaming royalty, but blinking frustrating. Absolutely. Oh, Danny Frothmeister's been on. Danny, Danny, I saw him the other week. Cool, hope he's well. He uh, a welcome addition to our listenership. Uh, first time I've looked on your website and find the game list section, guys. I recommend you play Metro Cross. It's re good and so is Puyan. Mm. I used to like Metro Cross on the Spectrum, but I don't think I like it on the arcade so much. Ew. Mark Bell's put, you talk about arcade hand. I've been suffering from arcade leg. Got an up- I think I know what he means. Got an upright outrun recently, and the non-accelerator leg that just takes all the weights is really struggling. Can only get a few games in before I need to have a rest. Yeah, and Tagster has countered that tweet and showed Mark a rather nice high stool he got for sitting and playing. No more arcade leg. Yay! This sufferance has been eradicated. Right. We have some feedback from fans. I this presume. is the famous the famous fans I was talking about on Twitter earlier. Yes. Uh, and they right. may have all been made up by me. Oh my god, the new Ten Pence Arcade podcast is decidedly custard filled from GM Fartnacker, Western Australia. Yeah, he's very he's very well well known, Mr. Fartnacker. <laughs> 10p podcast is so good I lost a shoe. Mrs. Toast Crumpet from Lanarkshire. Well, she is shoeless now, the poor woman. Sorry about that. <laughs> I love 10 pence and flowers. A swarm of bees, Richmond Park. <laughs> You're allowed to like two things? What's wrong with that? I only come out of hibernation when there's a new 10 pence arcade podcast release. Dr. Brown Bear from Canada. Okay. <laughs> Oh dear. If the new 10 pence podcast isn't as good as the last one, I'll eat my hat. Barry Hat Eater from Dorset. Well, Barry. you know when someone says if that's any good, I'll eat my hat. Mm. That's Barry's for that's yeah. Barry's forte. That's why he's named Mr. Hat Eater. 
Damn it, Barry. And I've got one more here. I can't believe one of the hosts of the 10 PRK podcast has time to record and I'm still stuck in this castle from Princess Zelda in Hyrule. Sorry about that, Zelda. I will get you. I'll get to you eventually. You talked about the Zelda game again, haven't you? No. <laughs> Wife's only completed it. it. Really? Yeah. How many hours? Uh, about 160. But she's not completely completed it. She's she's done the main quest. She's she's found all the 120 shrines, which is your sort of puzzly, fighty things you do in the shrines. You have got to find them and do them. She's got all four divine beasts. You you uh, rescue these big beast things, and they will help you out. And she's killed the bad guy at the end. But there's loads of little side quests and things to collect. She's still moving on to. We've bought the expansion part of it as well, and she's doing the quests on that as well. Whereas I'm still sort of catching up. I haven't as much time to play on it as she has. Wow. Cool. We also had some feedback on a Facebook page from Alan Delta Lima. Thank you, Alan, for some nice comments there. And thank you, everyone else who's who's mentioned some lovely, nice comments. Thank you very much. Is he a cosmic Alan? He's an Irish Alan. Does that count? Maybe. Is is there a a county in Ireland called Cosmic? Could be. be. Sorry, Londonderry. It's close. Right, let's shout at a few people, shall we? <laughs> shout out. First one, Rolly Retro for the tip-off of the Suffolk Isis cab. Thank you, mate. It's in my possession now. <laughs> also, Rob Actraiser for selling me the said Isis cab. Very nice chap. And I said earlier, he's going to be converting his other cabaret cab from Bomb Jack to regular jammer for playing 61. Hopefully, I'll be able to help him out with that. Nice. Also, Ian and Phil for organising one of the best arcade get-togethers I've been to all year. Absolutely mm. brilliant. And thank you to the other people who brought cabs along, made it a good, good event. I second that. Also, thank you to Will for selling me a little Kung Fu Master Cab for a great price. Mm. Uh, oh, more. There's loads more. Richard Broadhurst for doing an impromptu show-and-tell of his BBC games yesterday, uh, on Saturday. He's done some very impressive work on his arcade conversions and emulators for the good old BBCB. Uh, everyone who was watching was impressed by these games. Keep going, Richard. We massively approve. These are actually amazing, the ones I saw. Astro Blaster, Phoenix, Frogger. And, and when he explained how he got the sounds right, he was he's so meticulous, like getting the sound files, comparing yeah. the sound files and getting them correct. Well, I got to play Frogger there. He brought a BBC with him with a, with a uh, SD card full of games that he'd done. And he showed some stuff he's done years ago as well. And th- the best one I pl- well, the, the one I enjoyed playing most was Frogger. He did a conversion of Frogger. And it was it was arcade perfect apart from two things. Two tiny little things. One of them was uh, on the third and fourth levels and onwards, when you get the snakes on the level, you know you get if you stand on the edge of a log, a beaver comes and gets you. Mm. He hadn't got the beaver in; he ran out of memory. I said, "Don't leave the beaver out." He's a I hate him anyway. No one likes the beaver. And also, I said, "Why is that log pink?" And he said, "The BBC hasn't got brown. <laughs> the yeah. BBC hasn't got brown in its color palette, so we had to leave them pink." No, it's the spectrum, is it? Other than that, that game is absolutely perfect. It's got the same. Uh, Vertical ratio, the music's exactly the same. The the, the sprites are ninety nine percent perfect, absolutely brilliant. And his emulation of Warlords with those four spinners we were all playing, that was brilliant, wasn't it? So good, yeah. So good. I think it was three. There was actually me, you, 
Alex and Richard all playing at the same time. Such a good game on four player. I yeah, never thought you'd see it on a home computer. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, really clever guy. Yeah, very, very clever guy. He's I won't say what he's working on now. I think he wants to keep it a secret. He told me what game. Because I said, can you do Turtles? And he went, no, I'm doing so-and-so at the moment. So I went, ah, cool. That's just as good. So hopefully we'll see Mm -hmm. that before long. Also, all the lovely people I had the chance to buy coffee or cold drinks for at the show. Nice to meet you again for the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one for me, Sean Meldon, for buying and picking up a load of consoles and computers that were clogging up my loft. So have fun, Sean. I met a guy called Dave Miller, Tormatic, and he used to run the arcade that was at the bottom of my little knackered village where I lived. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a caravan park called Billion Aquadrome. Right. And we got we got talking. I said, "Oh, where are you from?" And he said, "I said, oh, I'm originally from Wellingborough, then a little a little village called Earls Barton. Earls knackered, Barton, knackered village. Oh, it's not now. It's very sought after now. It's like Hippieville. Mm. It's very." Very expensive there to live there now, darling. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he, 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 well, his dad started off, used to run this arcade. Oh, wow, cool. And, and then he took it over. And I must have been, I used to cycle down there, because it wasn't that far, and go in the arcade. Not not very often, but I did used to go in. So I must have been in his arcade. And he was on about how how his dad was buying tank in night. This is going right back to like 1974. Wow. Well, he actually, actually he, he passed on that. He didn't buy it. And then he, he regretted it. Cause it was such a big hit, but he did get sprint one, which did really well. Cool. And he was telling me how they were trying to get an Adams family when that came out, the pinball and they just could not get one for love or money. You know? Wow. Yeah. Lots of great stories from that guy. Yeah. Cool. Nice, nice, nice to one. meet you. Mm. So for everything we just mentioned, Yay! A ping. Tech tips. Right, this is a very, very quick tech tip. Yeah. It just proves that people can get things wrong quite easily. Mm. And that person in, in, in it was actually me. So basically, don't wire the inputs of a joystick micro switch around the wrong way, or all sorts of weird stuff happens. So, someone I know, me, recently did this and confuzzled themselves for a while. Idiot. Remember that some microswitches have a ground terminal, right? It's always on the bottom, the ground terminal, when you look at a microswitch, which is common, and usually linked together and then to ground. But there's also two other terminals. Some microswitches only have one and some have two. These are NO, normally open, and NC, normally closed. You need to wire the inputs from your Jamal game, or whatever game you're doing, to NO, normally open, which is usually the closest to the ground terminal, not the top one, the one in the middle of the three. Mm. Make sure you look on the actual switch. It should be marked, because I'm not sure if they, if they do swap them around on certain switches. Even an idiot has been doing this shiz for over 10 years can still make stupid mistakes. Mm. So basically, I wired this cab up right. I did two joysticks like it. Did them all the same, thinking, oh, it's the top one. And when I put a 16-1 on just to test it with a game, when you were moving around the... Because what has happened is is it was putting all the contacts on all at the same time. So nothing was moving. They were all cancelling each other out, right? But when you moved up, for instance, on the, the, the selection screen, it would move up, right? 
Mm-hmm. And then when I played a game, it was just going all over the place on its own. I was like, what's going on? It's, and all the games were doing exactly the same. And I realised, like, sort of, a few hours later, I was just, oh, I'll leave it now. I can't be bothered to do it because I'd done a load of sold and I thought I'd go in. And later on, I thought, I bet I put them around the wrong way, haven't I? They're all on at the same time. That's why it's all going weird on me. But well, I, just, I just unsoldered and put them back on the other. Absolutely perfect now. But it just goes to show what how easy it is to make a stupid mistake. Yeah. The one I always tell people, if they say, oh, I can't do that, or I can't do this, yes, you can. You'll make some mistakes, but you will learn from mistakes. The one I always tell people is I had a Goliath cabin in the garage once. I think it was one of Alex's. It might have been one of mine. I was trying to do something with it, and it wasn't the usual classic of the button on top wasn't turned on, the switch on top wasn't turned on, that's what wasn't functioning. But what happened is it, on the Goliath, it's got a great big sort of um, board with the power supply on it, uh, and some filters and some other bits and some fuses and stuff, and it pulls out on the board. And what happened is I put it back in there and went to try and turn the cab on. It wouldn't come on, so I was trying the switch and looking in the fuse and everything. It took me hours and hours to work out what it was. And what it was is the table that, that pulls out, you can put your PCBs on, I hadn't pushed it all the way back, and it wasn't hitting a kill switch, like a safety switch. Oh. So when you've got everything closed, the switches are made... And then everything will work. But if you open a door, it undoes the switch. So it turns mm. all the power off so you can't hurt yourself. It was hours and hours and hours I was looking for. I was like, oh, maybe the maybe the, the, the fuses have gone. Or maybe the monitor's gone. Or maybe this has gone. Or maybe something in the plug. Maybe the, the, oh, God, it took me ages to find out what was going on. And in the end, I sort of looked at myself and went, you idiot. It was one <laughs> switch. And you know that switch is there. You looked at that switch about five times and you're trying to work this out. <sighs> It happens. It does. It happens. Top 100 arcade games. So are you going to tell me your next five games from the 100? Are we nearly there on the 100 now? Let me have a count up. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. This is 61 to 65 run now. Okay. Give me your five. Give them to me. In our perfect arcade, in our heads. Yes. On my next five, in no particular order, I use Jungler. Yes, great We game. did that as a podcast game. I try, I'll, I'll talk about that one. Kung Fu Master, which is very frustrating, but the it's enjoyment... It's not frustrating, it's a brilliant game. The enjoyment is outweighs the frustration. Millipede, which I've got into because I've got into Centipede, and it's more of the same, not quite as good, but there's no. quite, a bit, quite a bit to learn on it. Mm-hmm. Uncle Pooh, which we talk about every now and again, which is a really unusual, enjoyable scrolling maze game. It's it a is. really nice little game with a silly name and a silly character, really. Yeah, very silly, but it's, it is well done and well put together. A lot and of fun. One I've rediscovered from many, many years ago again, Turbo, which I was playing at Play Blackpool, which is one of James RGP's new cabs. Nice one. Is with it a, a full upright or a, or a mini? Full upright, and it's Ooh, got the, wow. the base in it that shakes your teeth out. I had to get, I had to get some more teeth. Yeah, after, after playing that, I've got a little thing to say about Kung Fu Master. When I was playing the Kung Fu Master at the Cambridge thing before I bundled it in the back of my car, I looped it a few times, not all at the same time. I think I looped it like two or three times. When I was playing. I couldn't do it at first. I sort of got in the swing of things and managed to loop it again. And people were sort of being impressed by me, which doesn't happen very often. It's quite nice. Um, and some, I was listening to some guys playing it, and his mate, he's saying to his mate, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's set on hard." Blah, blah. And I said, "Oh, excuse me, can I just get to that a minute?" Because he finished playing it. And he said, "Oh yeah, it seems really hard. It's set on hard." I goes, "No, it isn't." 
And he sort of looked at me and I said, no, it's not. It isn't. And he, I think he must have remembered it being easier as a kid, I reckon. Mm. And um, I was going to say, oh, who's put that score on there then? But I didn't. I'm not an idiot. And it was <laughs> me. Obviously, it was me. I mean, uh, I think Chun, Vib Ribbon on the, on the forums, he can loop it about four times. He can get like six, seven hundred thousand points on it, which is really impressive. He's a really wow. good player of it. I, I got a feeling he's nearly the world record holder on it, actually. Or he was oh, going for the record. Good. I'm not sure if he actually did it or not. But yeah, it was quite fun when people misremember stuff. Because mm. you, when, you, when you go to play a game, oh, I could, I could clock this one. I can like, get a million points. They never go on it and get like 40,000. And they realise it's a lot harder than it used to be. Or they just misremembered some digits, I think. That's what happened with me with Jungler. I've completely forgotten the play style of it. So I was playing it again the other night. Yeah. And I was terrible at it again. You know, I've got a, I think you've got to get around the back of the snakes and shoot them, haven't you? It's a real yes. fast-moving maze shooting game. I really enjoy that one. I want to really try and get back into that. You know what you've got to do on Jungler, don't you? No. Watch out for snakes. <laughs> so my five are Van Van Carr. Yeah, which is a really odd game. I don't even know who makes it. I can't remember. It's on the sixty and one. It's one of the games added to the sixty one from the forty eight in one, yeah. and it's a really cool maze car game with rockets and balloons. Mm. If you've got a sixty one, kids, check it out. It's a real fun game. You have to have a four way stick on that. Yes, you do. Definitely, absolutely a game. have to on that. How about a game from the two thousands? Oh, we'll allow it. You beat. It's not a traditional video game, but it is absolutely brilliant. And if I owned an arcade, which I could play all my favourite hundred games, I'd have two of them mm. linked. It'd be absolutely brilliant. Sky Cursor, another brand new spanking game. Mm. Still good. Uh, Sinistar. It's one really? of the only Williams games I'd actually have, because the Williams games aren't super reliable, and I presume Sinistar isn't either. And they're also very, very difficult, but I quite like Sinistar, and I think I could get better at it. But it is rock-hard game. Mm. I was also getting into the table version, Ian's table, of Defender that was at the Cambridge meeting. Did you ever go on that? I didn't. No, it looked a bit awkward, really. Did it play all right? No, it feels... it's You sit at it, and the, the layout of the, the buttons is better than the upright, I think. Right. It feels really... That cabinet is really nice. It's a lot nicer to play than an upright, I reckon. I really do. Yeah, which is unusual for for cocktail cabs. And the fifth one, Joust. Talking about Williams games. Joust isn't too difficult. And it's a lot of fun playing with two players. But not quite as good. It's Balloon Fight. But still, still a brilliant game. Absolutely brilliant. So that's our five from this hundred. Got 35 left to pick. 35. I've got another 15 I'm looking at, so I need to get another 20. Yet. Oh, lordy. By the, by the time I get to 100, I'll be changing mine and have to go back and start again. We can do that if you like. La la la, it's music with time. Okay. After you completely humiliated me, Mr. Marland, last time. You got one out of five on music (laughs) quiz last time. It's not hard, actually, to to humiliate me on these quizzes. This is the music quiz, and, right, I've done some tough, tough ones here. You ready? Okay, give them to me. Okay, here we go. Hopefully the volume's about right. (laughs) 
Skyskipper. No. Is that not Skyskipper? <laughs> no. Play again, Sam. Is that Fast Freddy? No. Flyboy, which is also Fast Freddy. No. It's not that. No. I recognise that tune. You should do. Okay, we'll go back to that later. Okay, here's the next one. Is that Viewpoint? No. R-Type. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it was one of those kind of games, those really slick horizontal games. R-Type, well done, you got that. Yay! Here's the next one. Even if you don't know this game, you might get it from the famous tune. You ready? Go on. I know the tune. Is it Airwolf? It is. Well, yay! Done. I remember that. I don't remember that from the game. I remember it from the actual TV show. And I didn't even watch the TV show. I was more of a Night Rider kid. Mm. Okay, two out of three. Riding yes. in the night. Here's number four. Don't switch off phone. Here we go. Antita. Yes, how did you get that, you git? Because I like Anti, I play it quite a how lot. How did you get that? It's so hard. I, I play right. it. Here's a bit of a wild card. You, I think you might get this. Ready? Number five. <laughs> Is that a Mortal Kombat? Yeah. Oh, uh, what, out of the 12 they've made? Yeah. Three. No! <laughs> But with, with the sort of evil music in the background, it's definitely Mortal Kombat of one type of the other. It is. You get half a point for that. Which one is it? Two. All right. I was going to say two. Dang. And here's a, here's a song I played you on Saturday, but it's worth playing again. No, it isn't. Don't play it. Please don't play it. Oh, God, you're editing me as well. Get in. Jerry Beltram. Jerry Beltram. <laughs> Some classic rave tune there, the original Hoover sound. You only put that in because I'm not editing it this week. Yeah, you can't edit that out, can you? Mm. I won't care, I'll be on a jet plane soon. So I got I'm leaving four out of five. On a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. I, I do know when we're back again because that's when the plane comes back, you idiot. I'm not oh. going to wait around randomly for a plane, am I? They didn't think about that, did they, when they did that no, song? No, no. So, so I got four out of five. No, he didn't. Oh, yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yes. I'll, get, I'll come back to that one. Ah, it's an old game. I know the game as well. We'll go back to that at the end, yeah? You'll kick yourself in the heed. No, I won't, because I'll remember it by then, hopefully. All right, okay. Right. Shall we do it? Come on, then. This is going to be a long one. Featured game review. The featured game review this week, as all the listeners know, is Donkey Kong. Programmed by Ikigami and released by Nintendo in 1981. It's a vertical game. Four-way joystick and one button to make Jumpman jump. Odd that, with a name like that. Mm. And here's what the classic game sounds like if you haven't ever heard of it, or if you lived in an underground secret facility all your life. 
So, the gameplay of Donkey Kong. This is going to be difficult not to patronise people by telling them how to play Donkey Kong. But, it's got a lot of play nuances, so stick with us, people. So, the game has four levels, as everybody knows. On the US ROM set, they are not played in numerical order. On the Japanese ROM set, they are. So, the levels are, number one, the Gerda level. Made from Gerda's. Yeah. Anyone who's ever seen any Iron Brew adverts from Scotland know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. The level is made up from angled girders going to the top of the screen, where Kong is holding Pauline, or the lady. Ladders join the girders at different places along the girders. There are a few broken ladders that you can partially climb to avoid barrels going under you. You cannot climb up them to another level, though. But barrels can travel down those broken ladders. Barrels will also fall off each end of the girders to ascend the level. Descend the level, sorry. Once they get to the bottom, they go off the screen will sometimes go into the oil barrel at the bottom left and turn into fireballs. Fireballs can also travel up the ladders, whereas barrels obey the laws of gravity and only travel downwards. Kong is at the top throwing said down barrels at you and randomly chucks a wild barrel which either goes straight down very quickly or bounces all over the place, usually smashing you on the heed. Whenever you get a barrel on your heed, I like to shout, Melon Heed! I like to say something a bit more choice than that. Yeah, but it looks like you've got a stripy melon on your head as a head. So it's melon head. Um. Melon heed. Go to the top ladder and Kong will nick off with Pauline ape-handled under her arm to the next level. You have to avoid or jump over the barrels. On the second and fifth girder up from the bottom is a hammer. Jump to grab this and you can smash and destroy barrels and the fireballs for bonus points. Getting hit by a barrel... Fireball, falling higher than your character height or jumping under the fire barrel at the bottom of the screen results in the loss of one of your jump men. Level 2, the Pie Factory. Maybe someone should start a podcast with that as the title. Hmm? We can look into it. Hmm, yeah. Sound pretty good there. A level made from five heights of straight girders. There is a fire barrel in the middle of the stage and it throws out fireballs. Starts off with just three, but every pie factory level adds another fireball until there are five. Then it sticks at five the rest of the game. On le- levels two and four, the, the sort of areas you go up, four is where the fire barrel is situated. Pies can appear and travel on the conveyor belt, which is what you're standing on. They're supposed to be concrete barrels or something. The concrete pans of concrete. Cement, yeah, it's cement. a cement factory, isn't it? It's supposed it's a, to be. Where did they get a cement factory from? We call them, they look like pies, we call them pies, okay? Pie factory is better than cement factory because our American Easy. friends say that, yes. Yes. Pies can appear and travel on the conveyor belt, which is what you're standing on. You have to jump these or avoid them, but beware. The conveyor reverses and the pies and you will change direction. If you're running against a conveyor, you move very slowly. But if it changes and you're still going the same way, you run very quickly in the same direction on the conveyor, usually right into the pi- a pile of a pie or a fireball. There are two hammers on this level, but you rarely use them. Just get to the top layer, and the level is done. On the last layer before you get to the top, the ladder periodically retracts and extends. You can only get to the top when it's fully extended. Pies, fireballs, and hitting the oil barrel will kill you. Also scatter around the level are some of the ladies' things. If you pick them up, you get bonus points, but you can ignore them. They're an umbrella, a, a handbag, and a nice hat. And a nice hat. So level three, the elevator or the springs level. Considered the hardest level when you get to level four and beyond. Bearing in mind, the difficulty levels only go up when you've completed a rivet level. 
More on the difficulty levels later. There are two elevators on the left-hand side of the screen. Many girder islands suspended in mid-air and springs bouncing across the top girder and down the right-hand side of the screen. There are two fireballs hanging around the girder island which move up and down the ladders which connect them. You need to get across the right-hand side of the screen, then up the level, past the bouncing spring to get to the top again. Springs falling too far and fireballs all snuff you out. On the first instance of the level, you only get one spring. Every level after this, there are two, and they can really suck. There are no hammers on this stage. Pauline has also strewn her stuff about the level again for bonus points. Poor girl. Losing all her stuff because a big monkey's grabbed her. <laughs> level four, the rivets. A level made up of five straight girders held in place by four sets of rivets on either side of the screen. You need to run or jump over the rivets to remove them. Removing all the rivets causes the girders to collapse, plunging Kong to his doom and releasing Lady Pauline. Yay! Five fireballs come out to impede you and can travel up and down the ladders which connect the layers or girders. There are two hammers on this level, which you can grab to temporarily get rid of them, but they do come back again. They come in from the sides of the screen into play. The fireballs cannot travel over the gaps made by the removed rivets. Once you do this stage, difficulty level goes up by one. The difficulty. Right. So, Donkey Kong scoring, you get 100 points for jumping over a single barrel, 300 for jumping over two barrels at once, and I think you get five or 800 to doing three or more, which is quite difficult to do. They have to be very close together to do that. You get... It's a bit weird, because there's, there's a bit of a bug in the game where if you hit a blue barrel... I think it's, it says you get 800 points, but you only get 500 on the actual score. Right. There is a bug in the score in there. I think if you remove rivets, you get any 100 points. It's usually 100, 300, or 500. And then, and then 800 for those kind of multiples. It's always sort of done in those, those areas, the points. And then, obviously, on the game, you're timed as well. So if you get to the top and there's bonus points left on the timer, you get bonus points as well. If the bonus points run out to zero, you lose a life on all the levels. They're all timed, so you can't just hang around you know, scabbing points. Uh, there's a really good article on strategywiki.org telling you how to play with a walkthrough of it. Mm, but good. this, these play tips and secrets are my own ones, and I'll probably forget a few as well. But this is the way I play. Right? I've been playing for quite a few years. I'm not brilliant. I'm not bad. And it's in no way a definitive way to get high scores. I'm not an expert player at this. So the girders, ignore the first hammer. Don't even bother with it. Mm. As if you get that and smash a bunch of barrels, you will get some points, but a lot more than you leave, and it will be on screen. So makes ascending the ladders harder. There'll be a lot more barrels. As you're hitting them, more barrels come out all the time. Mm. So as you're wasting time with the, the hammer, because you can't go up and down ladders when you've got a hammer in your hand. Yep. You'll be killing the barrels, but you'll be getting a lot more coming down. It makes it harder to jump over. Expert players do use the first hammer to get maximum bonus points, but they, they're good enough to be able to negotiate the other barrels. Uh, wait behind ladders to see if the barrels will come down, and obviously roll the opposite way than you're standing. Get the top hammer to allow you to go all the way right to get the penultimate ladder when smashing barrels. Do not move while smashing barrels as they can travel under the hammer if you're moving so you can move around but stand still when you smash them yeah i found that out yep you will find out because it does it a lot uh move and stay still while you're actually hitting a barrel be mindful of when the hammer runs out as it's only temporary and you cannot climb up and down ladders when you're using it 
Be very careful when you're directly under Kong and don't hang around there, otherwise one of his annoying random barrels could give you melon heat. <laughs> you can jump over two close-moving barrels together or when there is a small gap between them. If you get a large gap, you can jump straight up or twice to miss those. Three barrels close together and you will have to retreat down a ladder and hopefully it will split apart by one or more barrels by going towards a different ladder when they're above you. This gets more usable as a difficulty level progress. And this is basically controlling barrels, which is a bit of a secret to this game. Mm. At level four, the hardest it gets, you can control the barrels 75% of the time as they're coming down. Even when you're in mid-jump or on a ladder, you can control the barrels. Basically, the game's AI, if you're moving towards a ladder the barrel will come down the ladder. If you're pushing towards the ladder, it thinks mm-hmm. you're going to come down the ladder, so it tries to get you by going down the ladder. So you can actually control the barrels by going towards it. You can be quite far away from the ladder, but if you're running towards it and your joystick is pointed in that direction, as a barrel goes over the ladder, the higher percentage it will come down at you if you're going towards it. But if you're looking away, it usually rolls over the top. So you can actually control barrels by doing that. Mm. It's very easy to work out, but you have to do it quickly, and it doesn't always do what you want it to do. But as the game gets harder, and the barrels are trying to get you more, and the AI is trying to get you, it makes it easy to control them. Obviously, they're moving faster as well. So, on level two, the pie factory, when you start, do not cross to the right-hand side of the centre of the screen, because you start just off the left-hand side of the screen, Mm. until all the fireballs have popped out. The fireballs always come out of the fire barrel on the same side as you are standing past the centre of the screen. So if you go to the right, they will come out of the right, to the right-hand side and get in your way because you want to quickly hop up the right-hand side. Uh, as soon as you need to dash up the far right-hand side of the screen to the top, you do not want any fireballs on the right, so stand on the left. If you do get a fireball cross over and towards you, you can retreat, change tactics, and run up the opposite side. But just really keep away from the fireballs. If they're coming towards you get out of the way, retreat quickly. Because when they come down the levels, down the ladders, they move quite quickly. And if you're on a conveyor belt, you can't move very quickly unless you go the opposite way. So it's a good Mm. idea to, if it's above you, get out of the way, be very mindful of it. Wait under a ladder if a pie is on a conveyor belt or jump over it, being careful of which way the conveyor is travelling. Be very careful on the top layer where the second lot of pies come out on the right-hand side of the screen because as you're going towards that ladder, they come out very quickly. And if you get hit by one there, you can just get even just a pixel will kill you. And also, when you're on the retractable ladder, if you're on it as it moves, it actually moves you about. And if there's any fireballs above you, they can come down it as it's going back up. So you have to be very careful there. But when you're on that, you haven't really got much of a chance to get out of there, to be honest with you. So the spring level. The first appearance of the springs is dead easy. There's only one spring. So you get to the top where the spring is bouncing. And edge your way towards the last ladder. So the spring is just scraping your nose. As it flies completely over you, dash up the first ladder or the last ladder easily. The second instance of this level is roughly the same, but the first spring of two goes over you. The two springs go at the same time. So when the first spring of the two goes over you, dash over to the safe spot on the left, which is sort of in the middle of where they bounce. Edge your way to the right with the springs just missing your nose and dash up the ladder as the spring flies over. But, and this is important, you need to go when a long spring is going over you. 
As the spring flies in from the right hand side of the screen, they come in in various lengths or trajectories. They are short, medium and long. And there's a few actually in between as well, but they don't really matter. A long spring coming in from the left hand side of the screen will land squarely on the yellow block on the left hand side. They're not different graphics, are they? They're the same graphics. Same graphics. Mm, but where the yellow so. block is, right, if a long spring comes in, it lands squarely on top of it, exactly the same thickness of it. A medium mm. spring will hit the yellow square, but not quite in the centre. And a short spring will miss that thing. So as they're going across, you imagine them going across, a long one will go further to the right as it goes over you, and a short one will come back. So... As you go on this second version of the levels, you can go on a long spring. As the, as the long spring hits, when it goes over your head, so like two bounces, go then. Okay? And you'll do yeah. it, regardless of what the next spring is going to be. But on the third spring stage is as hard as it ever gets, which is level four by now. The two springs are moving quite a lot quicker than normal than the last level. So you wait in the safe spot, and when the, the long spring comes in, that's when you're going to get going, right? So when the long spring lands squarely on the yellow block, as mm. it goes over your head, you get going. But, and this all has to be done in like a second, as that you go, as you start moving towards the right-hand ladder, you have to look to your left with your peripheral vision, and if the next spring comes and it lands squarely a long spring lands squarely on that yellow block it will kill you you cannot get out of it you will you will get killed if you're going up the ladder so if that happens you have to abort the move while still looking at the spring and still looking at the ladder and come back to the safe spot very quickly and you'll survive but it's very hard to do i've only ever done it two or three times actually survive but as the springs are coming in so the ideal scenario is the long spring comes, lands in the middle of the uh, yellow block, goes over your head, you get going. The next spring that comes in is a short or a medium spring. So mm. as you're going up the ladder, it'll actually miss you because it's not going as far to the right. But if it's, a, if it's a long spring, it will hit you. When I play the game and I get to that level, when I'm going up that ladder, I know if I'm going to make it or not. I will know, but I can't, I'm not quick enough with my peripheral vision and my, my reactions to think, oh God, I'm going to get hit by something and be able to come back and get out of it. I'll just go, I'm going to get hit, and I'll be dead. Or mm. I'll survive. That's how the springs work. And if you go to donkeykongforum.com, it's it's done with slowed down video to show you how it happens. Because you, you have to slow it down to explain it to someone, really. Because it's quite difficult. Because you've got to use a peripheral vision. You've got to be able to sort of look in both directions at once, go boss-eyed and look in the both directions. And it's very... You have to make a decision very, very quickly if you're going to keep going or come back when you mm. know that second spring where it's going to land. But some people, without even looking on the yellow block where it lands, they can see from the traje trajectory as it comes in whether it's going to be a long, medium, or short. Because I think the long ones come in higher and the short ones come in lower. But it's not a lot of difference. You need to be able to sort of see that difference. And I, I'm not good enough to do that. But that's how you, you work out the third set of springs. Right. Do you get that? Yeah, I got it, but if, I, can't, I can't be bothered to do it. That's it's the thing. it's difficult to explain on an audio podcast. You really need to see a slowed-down video of it. So I suggest if you really want to get into Kong, and, and this is like the, 
the real faltering point for everyone. This is sort of where they go, oh, I can't do it, I give up. And that's why I don't really play it so much anymore because I, I, this bit, I cannot master. I've done it a few times, but I cannot master it. And it's mm. usually luck with me. There is one sort of a little bit of a fluky move and a risky way of doing it. If you wait for two long springs to come one after the other, so two hit the yellow block, go then. Because it's unusual you'll get a third one. Mm. But a third and even a fourth can come because it's random. So you can sort of go, oh, there's two come there, another one will never come, and get going, and you'll find it will, and it will hit you. But you get less of a chance of getting killed if you wait for two and then go on the third one. Right. But remember, you're timed as well. So if you're waiting around a long time, even if you want to wait for three and go on the fourth one, which is very unusual, you're going to waste a load of time. And the top players want the bonus points, so they're going to do it as quickly as possible. Mm, yeah. So, you know, if you were to wait that long, I don't think you'd do very well. And you still no guarantee you're going to do it. You have to work out whether to go up the ladder or abort and come down in a split second. And that is hard work. It really is hard work. So the last level, the rivets, this is before you knock Kong on his head and you go up a level of difficulty. So I usually do a move called the weave. There's, there's a weave and I think the star pattern's another one which I don't use. But the weave is you stay on the left-hand side of the screen, right? Because mm. remember, the fireballs come in on the opposite side on this level to where you are. So you start on the left-hand side of the screen. The fireballs, as they come in one at a time until there's five on the screen, will come in on the right-hand side. If you cross over to the middle, to the right, just one pixel, they'll come in on the left. So what what you want to do is you've got the left-hand side, you've got the first ladder, knock out the bottom rivet, you miss the second one up, you go to the third one, and then the fourth one, come back down to the second layer, wait until there's a load of fireballs on that layer, get the hammer, rush across, knock that river out, so all the left-hand side has now got gaps in it, so you can't, you know, nothing can get past it, and take out as many fireballs as you possibly can. And then what happens then is when you're on the right-hand side of the screen, they respawn on the left-hand side of the screen, and they cannot travel over the gaps, remember? So you've effectively yeah. trapped them on the left-hand side of the screen. And if you're, if you're good and lucky you'll have got all of them over there. And then do the right-hand side and leave the very top one. But usually there's one flying around the top, going up and down the ladders. You'd be, be careful. But there's a, la- a, a hammer in the middle on the top section. So mm-hmm. what you do is you wait on that level if you can. Wait until it comes down. Get the hammer. Kill it. Stay on the right-hand side of the screen. And it will come on the left-hand side. And all of them are trapped over there. They usually try and come up towards you, even though they can't get across the gap. And then you do a little trick called the toe jump what you do is when they're all on the on the left hand side of the screen all trapped or even there's one floating about on the right and it can't get you you go and stand very close to kong's left foot his left you stand very close to him you do a jump and if you tap the joystick away from him to the right it basically gives you 100 points mm, and you so can do this very quickly you can just you can do it actually quicker and the timer is counting down. The t- timer counts down in 100 increments. And you can jump and do a 100-point cheat or a toe jump quicker than the timer's going down. So what you can do, if you do trap all the, the fireballs on one side and they can't get to you, you basically run the timer all the way down to zero because you're getting more points. I think you get like um, 150 or 160% of the, the timer points 
Yeah. So say you've got 3,000 timer points left over. You'll, you'll end up with like 4,500, 4,700 points rather than 3,000 getting the timer. So you yeah. do that to zero. And when it gets to zero, you've even got room for another three jumps, three, three toe jumps. And then when you jump in the air, your timer will actually run out. And if you were on the floor, you'd be dead. But on Donkey Kong, you cannot die in the air. It's programmed that way. So right. when you're in the air and you jump over that last rivet, the rivet disappears, the level ends, and you do not land on the ground. So therefore, you will not get killed by the timer. And then the level ends, so you get the bonus. You get you get to live because you're not landed with the timer out. That's how it works. You cannot die with the timer. And you cheat death. Nice. Yes. So that that is basically my tips. I'm sure there's loads of expert players going, why didn't you mention this? And I've probably forgotten, honestly. I mean, yeah. I with this game, to get you do get better at it. When you play it more, you do get and when you learn the rules and you learn the tricks and you can sort of do things and control barrels and you know, work out a bit how to do the, the bit at the end and do the toe jump, you will get better at it. But you have to put a lot of time into it to play it, I think. Yeah. I mean, I used to play it non-stop. Like, every evening I'd play it, you know, for months and months. And I, the best ever score I got was on Alex's machine. Just one night I went around there to help him out with something, and we said, oh, let's have a quick game of Donkey Kong. And we were just talking about stuff, not really to paying any attention. And I got 238,000, my top score ever. And on my machine at home, because me and Alex have both got high score kits on our Donkey Kongs, I'm sure one of our listeners will be moaning about that because it's not, not real, not right. I think I've got 228,000 on mine. Mm. And for this challenge, I've got considerably less. I'm not going to use that score because that's my all-time best, one of my all-time best scores. So, yeah, you have to put a lot of time into it, I think. And I sit down to play it as well because usually games are quite long. And the Donkey Kong machine, I was actually I, my machine is actually a Donkey Kong Junior machine with Donkey Kong in it. And the cabs are quite small. They're quite low down. So I have to do a sort of like a, a weird sort of spread eagle move when I'm standing next to it. So I usually sit down to play. So what do you think about the graphics and the sound of this old 1981 game? Well, I've put iconic sound, perfect graphics for the game. Can't imagine it any other way because you're so familiar with the game. Pauline yeah. looks a bit weird, though. How dare you, sir? <laughs> she does look a bit weird. But she's she? got a pretty pink dress and beautiful blonde hair. Mind you, she is about eight foot tall compared to Jumpman, though, isn't she? She's it's massive. A bit, it's a bit gangly. Yeah, she's massive. Ace graphics and sound. Uh, classic mix all over. Uh, all the characters are still going strong 36 years later. Uh, I like the stack of Kongs. It does little cutscenes. 25 metres, 50 metres. How high yeah. can you go? Uh, Kong also jumps up and down before the game to knock the girders into angled platforms. I think it's quite cool. Mm. Is it one of the earliest games with cutscenes, do you think? Mm, Pac-Man had them, didn't, didn't they? And... Oh, yeah, 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 of course it did. They are early ones, though, aren't they? They're quite, they're quite, quite cute. They're adorable, aren't they? Love them. Yeah. Shall we do the scoring? Yes, let's do some scoring, because people have got some flipping good scores here, son. They have, they have. Oh, right, so, at the bottom, son of Delta Lima, he's had a go, bless him. 3,300. A little one's had a go. Yee! Bearded Zombie, thanks for playing, 13,400. Andrew Driver, 15,600. He's put a pathetic score, but appreciating the nuances of the game, so I think I'll be back. So, Andrew Driver, as I said, is the perfect candidate for someone who'll keep playing it and he'll get better. 
Mm. I remember for years and years, right, before I got into it a lot, my highest ever score was 38,000, and I thought it was quite good. And it just slowly kept creeping up, and then all of a sudden it was just leaps and bounds, because I learned how to play the game properly. But the random elements make it hard work. Yeah, it's not it's not one that I could really see myself putting a lot of time in because I find it frustrating to be honest there's no patterns in it there is no patterns because all the the baddies are randomly they move randomly so you can't really pattern it you you don't know exactly that particular character is going to do this or that you have to be really careful and even though you can control them to some extent you've got to be careful with it the fireballs moving on the girder level is so frustrating because they, they swap directions so much and then go up and down, up and down the ladders. And sometimes they just get stuck as well. So you're, you're waiting at the bottom of the ladder to go up a ladder and they just stand about the, the top of the ladder just quivering. It won't yeah. move. And all of a sudden it will shoot down the ladder at you. And they move really quickly down the ladders. Okay, so we've got all these people below 50,000. Carl Parry, Delta Lima Allen. Carl Parry again. Oops. Is there two Carl Parrys? I think Carl's just just got better, that's all. His old scoring. So his better score is 32,700. As he cloned himself. He might have done. Ross Ross and Tactical Genius, all below 50,000, but we're playing well. Tactical Genius is starting to click now. I've actually seen the pie factory. See, people get better at it. It's a game you can get better at. 50 to 60,000. Paul McCaskey. This last week is the first time I've played D- DK seriously, and it's great and so addictive. I agree and me, that. me, I am in twenty fourth place. We've had so many players. Can I just give you a yeah? <laughs> Fifty two thousand six hundred. I found it frustrating. I can appreciate it is a very good game, but I have no inclination to put the time in to learn it. But you know, you got fifty two thousand six hundred. You know what's coming in a minute, don't you? No. I'll tell you. So Sol's got 66,600. That's a good score. 66600. Which is apt for this devil of a game. Uh, in all my years, I've never hit a wall on a game like this. It's hard work. Yeah, he is Jimmy, 68200, gaming royalty, but frustrating. Said it before. Mark K, 69,000. Limits of my talent. I hate those random barrels. I do, you see. Melon Heed. Samantha Con Jr., who is the daughter of of b- 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 John Singletary. Oh, okay. And she's got 75,400. That's a good score. How old is Samantha? She looks about 10 to 11. That's maybe. a really good score. Nice one. Well done, Sam. Well done, Sam Kong Jr. I don't think Kong's a proper surname. It might not be. Mike Burke, 87,000. Nick, 73, 89,000. How am I so bad but still love this game? Absolute classic. Neil, 22,5. Slowly starting to get the hang of it. Can't believe I haven't played some more seriously until now. Mark I Happy think dude. he's got more than that since. But Has this he? is the cut-off point. I think he's over 100,000 now. Ooh. Well done, Neil. Mark Happy Dude, 94,000. Brian Hambo, 110,000. That's it. I'm out. Lost all my lives from guided barrels launched from Kong directly onto my head. That's what I'm right. I do not like them homing in barrels. Harumph, he's put. Mm. Chris Moon, Crested Bootleg, getting some decent scores now. 121,800. It's quite an annoying game. I agree with you, Christopher. I do. Sal Bugliarassi, 122,000. Chris CMP, 128,000. Edgewater Sean. Who's Edgewater Sean? Some. It's got to be Sean Courtney. Never heard of him. Edgewater Sean. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for playing, Sean. 139,200. He's obviously from that inferior podcast over the pond. Yeah, but he's a good player, though. That's a good score. Or it's a lot better than ours. Never mind. Tagster, 151,000. Whoa, 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 whoa. You forgot my score. <laughs> I missed you out. Sorry. Yes. Tell him what it is. 141,600. That's like three times my score. In your face. <laughs> yeah. Give myself a ping for getting in your face. I don't beat you very often, so I've got a relish in it. Yeah. Tagster, 151. Nick Silver Smurfer, 156. Cinecaster, 190. John Singletary, 201. Trollnads, 224. And he's put, that's it for me. My hypertension can't stand the stress of it. I do feel the same way, Trollnads. Steve Tyke. 259,000, so many rage quits, early doors, get past 80,000 with three or four lives, and then it seems to click, but it's still a rock hard game. Greg Pell, great score, 260,000, best game I've had in years, not too far off my PB, would love to crack 400,000 one day. And in second place with a great 351,100, Mr. Charlie Farr. How does he do it? He said he was never good at this and he'd never play it. He, he he finds it very frustrating, but you know what he's like. He just sticks at stuff and just... just All these players stuff. that get in this high, they must have excellent peripheral vision and very mm-hmm. quick reactions. Otherwise, they know something that I don't. And we've got Alan Stahl in first place with double everyone else, 643,000. Yeah. And he is the best Australian Donkey Kong player. Oh, right, because that... 643,000 could be an early kill screen. You could get a kill screen with that score. Right. So he's very close to level 22, I think. I think he's I think he's in a, he's got 850,000 before. Wow. There's a guy in the UK, uh he's called Pac-Man on the forums. Uh he's called Alan and he can kill screen this and Donkey Kong. So he's he's on like 850,000. I'm not sure if he listens to the podcast. He's not been around for a while on the fo- on the forums, but he's a very good Kong and Kong Junior player. Very, very good. Right. Go on, tell us about the cabinet art. I know it's iconic. Well, most people know about Nintendo. They did a massive U-turn on the US release of Radar Scope. This is well documented. People can pick this up everywhere. Uh, Radar Scope was a huge flop in the US. And Nintendo of America got... Well, Nintendo, sorry of Japan, got Shigeru Miyamoto to design Donkey Kong, and then they housed this super cool new game and converted Radarscope distinctive red cabinets. Now, the red cabinets have got less cutouts on the speaker grill, mm. and they've got a single coin entry coin door on them. And they've also, the monitor is actually housed in a wooden box. And that's how you know these old cabinets, these are really old versions. But when they ran out of Radarscopes, etc., they started making them in iconic blue cabinets. But I've also seen them in the, in the usual Donkey Kong Jr. orange cabs as well. The cabs are all exactly the same iconic shape with flat white T-moulding and the monitor inside looks like it's suspended in mid-air due to the clever use of black bezels and smoked plexiglass screen with beautiful art on it. When you look into a, into a cab and it's sort of dark, it looks like the screen's floating because it's all black inside. It's quite dark inside. Mm. Uh, and check out Kong picking his nose on the uh, bezel art. Have you seen that? No. He's, he actually got his finger up his nose in, in one of the pictures. Oh, wow. Uh, an excellent large sticker is on the side of the cabs as well, on both sides of the cabs. Uh, the control panel is also beautiful. We have pics of all of these on our webpage show notes. Nice. 
Trivia. There is tons of trivia. We're bound to miss loads. There's been books written and films made for this game. Can I just tell you that I think Radar Scope is a decent little shooter and I would rather play it than Donkey Kong. You're an idiot and nobody likes you. <laughs> it is it's quite a good little shooter. A Get bit out. of perspective on it. I was saying to someone at the at the Cambridge thing that I, I sack you quite regularly. <laughs> Get your cards, you're out the door. <laughs> Again. Uh, I think Radar Scope's not bad, but it's a bit dull. It's not as deep as Donkey Kong, is it? Come on. It's not got cute monkeys in it and barrels. It's got and melon heads. It's got bullets, though. It's got bullets. Can't so, bullets. here's some, some trivia anyway. Uh, the character you play was not yet called Mario. And the girl you were trying to say was just called The Lady or Pauline. She wasn't Peach or the Princess back then. Crazy Kong was an, an officially licensed game, not an illegal hack. And, and it it's went- rubbish. Well, it's very, very similar. I, I No, it's nothing like it. It runs on Galaxian hardware and looks and sounds awful, you've put. Mm-hmm. Mm. Crazy Kong 2 looks more like the correct colours and graphics. Sound is still shockingly bad. Crazy Kong is what the UK got. Mm. So I think, uh, was it Arctic? I can't remember who made it now. One of the UK companies housed it. I think it was licensed, and they made their own cabinets for it, and they actually put the game on their own hardware, which is Galaxian hardware. And the game sounds awful because it's not the, the correct sound hardware on, on a Galaxian board. And also, the Crazy Kong, the first one, had the wrong colour palette, so everything was really garish colours. And mm. Kong at the very top of the screen, on I think the second and third levels, is completely wrong graphic. He looks awful. He looks like he's been drawn by a three-year-old. And the mm. game is just weird. And there's loads of weird variations where some of the levels have got missing holes in the girders you've got to jump over and stuff. But Crazy Kong 2 had the correct colours, at least. But it was the same game, virtually. There may have been some differences. And you can't do the toe jump on it. And it's little, I think it's because it's a rewritten game, basically. It wasn't the yeah. same code. And I've never liked Crazy Kong. Never. And I actually played... I remember playing Donkey Kong as a kid in Scotland when I was up visiting relatives, the proper Donkey Kong. But I don't think it was in a proper Donkey Kong cabinet because I don't think I ever saw one of those in the UK because they're quite distinctive. Mm. Uh, Donkey Kong has had high score kits made for it and you can also get an, an added EEPROM to give you D2K, which is very hard and has some extra levels thrown in. I've got this on my high score kit. Uh, you press the uh, one and two player starts together for a few seconds and it swaps over to D2K and then back to Donkey Kong. Yeah. My very best score on that is a lowly 22,000 points. It's that hard. It's so hard. DK has a default high score of 7,560, which is the magic Namco Gorowasi number. Have you heard of these numbers? I have, yes. It's something to do with when you say the, the numbers phonetically, it makes n a m k o. Is that yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. Seven is na, and like five is m, you know, Namco. But yeah, yeah. why is it on a Nintendo game? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I've no idea, actually. That's a bit weird, and I didn't know that. Mm. Because my, my, my game's got a high score kit on it, so it doesn't reset the scores every time you turn it on and off. Yeah, I noticed it straight away. Seven, seven, Namco uses 7.560 in a lot of their games. Like Yeah, 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 I remember. Pack, Pack Mania, Pack Land, a lot of the Pack ones. Are also, other weird games like Barry Duke and... Yeah, some it's their little, little thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Donkey Kong and its sequel, Junior, 
has recently had a remix version come out, which I talked about earlier, with loads of new levels and bonus rounds and added features. Alex, Alex's Junior is a lot of fun to play, and I'm going to buy them when I'm in America very soon. I'm going to order them tonight, actually, and hopefully get them delivered to the, uh, the Airbnb we're staying at. Mm. Someone made an alternative version of DK for their daughter on the NES, and Clay Cowgill of Ground Control Portland, Oregon, made an arcade version of it in a custom-coloured pink and purple DK cab. I've played it a few years ago when it was at um, Ground Control, and it's great. It's really cool. Uh, you take control of Pauline uh, rather than Jumpman, and you gather up Jumpman's tools, and he's at the top being harassed by Kong. I think you pick up pliers and hammers and sort of tools, because he's obviously supposed to be a plumber back then. Oh, sorry, mm. a carpenter, not a plumber. He was a carpenter first. Oh. Uh, and you get to save him from Kong in a wonderful role reversal. Nice. It's good. Big up the girls. Woo! Big up the ladies. Kill screen. The game man- game manufacturers. I was going to say that the game malfunctioned on difficulty level twenty two. It's something to do with a crazy eight bit number two five six and the game effectively crashing. On level twenty two, Gerda level, your time runs out very quickly, even when it shows nearly full time left on the screen. You die for no reason, as if your time had run out. Go and watch King of Kong film to find out all about this magical achievement. Yep. Uh, the Kong Off is now an annual gathering of the best Donkey Kong players in the world, all competing to be King of Kong. The current world record holder and obvious kill scar- screen star is Wes Copeland, with a score of 1,218,000 points. Now, I found out earlier, I looked at the uh, scores again on Twin Galaxies. So, basically, Wes Copeland is the runaway winner, 1.218 million. But number two is Robbie Lakeman. 1,206,900 points. And Dean Saglio is only 100 points behind him. That's one barrel behind him. Mm. How annoyed was Dean Saglio when he got that score? But also, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, on King of Kong, it's uh, Steve Wiebe and Billy Mitchell supposedly battling it out. They're actually friendly with each other. They're fine. Uh, but it's a really good, really good film to watch. It's it's like a sort of documentary, but it's it's got a lot of made up elements in it as well. And it is I actually own it on DVD. It's really good. If you like Donkey Kong and you like a good story, get it. It's a really really good good film. But interestingly enough, back then those two guys were competing in the competition to be the King of Kong, and now neither of those guys are in the top ten Donkey Kong world record holders. Neither mm. of them. And even, even um, Dr. Kong, Hank Chen, who's actually a plastic surgeon, they called him Dr. Kong, yeah. he, he beat their record for a while, and he's only like number six, five or six now. So people are really going for it. And they did work out, you can't really work out a definitive high score on Donkey Kong because, because there's so many random elements to the game and how many barrels you can jump over. And obviously you've only got an allotted time to do the 22 levels. The scores, they sort of worked out to be 1.2-ish million. And that's what they've got at the moment. 1.218 million is the top at the moment. But they don't know if it could be beaten. And I'm sure it will be one day. Someone will have a lucky game and beat it, I think. Yeah, you've got to be lucky, I think, on it, haven't you? Well, lucky and very skillful at the game, I think. But I think the game takes over an hour to get to the kill screen of constant mm. play. It's a couple of hours, I think. Two hours, maybe? So you can learn more about Donkey Kong and also Junior and Crazy Kong over at www.donkeykongforum.com. Uh, especially if you're interested in play tips. You've got loads of play tips on there, this game's 
Mm. This is interesting from Slashdot.org. Over 33 years have passed since Donkey Kong first hit arcades, but it still has new surprises. I was poking through the game in a debugger when I discovered the game contains unused music and voice clips. One of the tunes would have been played when you rescued Pauline, and two others are suggested of deleted cutscenes. In addition, Pauline was originally meant to speak. In one clip, she says something unintelligible. But it may be like, hey, nice, or thanks. The other is a clearly a cry for help. Yeah, this, I think this is on the cutting room floor site as well. Yeah, because a radar scope, you can get some radar scope boards with a fifth layer of PCB, and mm. I think that's got speech on it as well. That's very rare. Mm. So ports, sequels, and legacy. There are probably hundreds of them using the same characters in all their offshoot games. There really, really is only one real sequel to Donkey Kong, and that's Donkey Kong Jr. uses very similar hardware and has a lot of the same play mechanics. Jr. was the first game actually coded by Nintendo, and they were successfully sued by Ikigami, who claimed that Nintendo had used their codes to write Donkey Kong Jr. The case was settled years and years later for an undisclosed sum. Right. We didn't say much about Ikigami. Are they still going? Yep. Ikigami coded nearly all the early Nintendo arcade releases like in the late 70s. Space Fever, uh, Launcher, Monkey Magic, Othello, just to name a few of them. Uh, They're actually an industry high-end video camera manufacturer Mm -hmm. still to this day. And they've actually got an office in Sunbury, just up the road from me. I've seen Alex where he got a selfie outside the front of the offices a while back (laughs) with his daft mug on there. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. They've got nothing to do with video games now at all. But they're still a Japanese company. They make really high-end, expensive video cameras. Wow. TV production, that sort of thing. I think they do like underwater cameras as well and sort of high-end stuff. Right. Overall thoughts and improvements. There isn't I, any. It's perfect. I'm going to put... I've written it here. It's okay, but it's no Dr. Micro. Do you, know, do you know if I had some rotten fruit, I'd be throwing it at my, at my webcam right now. <laughs> I'll put honestly, it is a damn good game that I don't have the patience to get into. To play it well takes a long time, I think, and the unfair random elements of the barrel wind me up, and the movement of the the fireball guys, they, they're just erratic and they get on my yeah, nerves. they are. The jumping mechanic in this game, there is a pause frame of animation when Jumpman lands after a jump, and there's a tiny spark come off his boots. Have you seen that? Yes. That's a tiny pause. You can't do two immediate jumps. There's that tiny pause. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you don't need to do it if you're good no. enough. Mm. That has made me realise what I like about games. I like the fluid- fluidity of movement in games. Like, So that's why I struggle with like Ladybug, because you, you get stuck on the corners and stuff. And no, you don't. If you've got a good four-way joystick, you don't. And why I like maze games like eyes because it's just constantly flowing and yep. why why i like shoot 'em ups because it's just so f- the freedom of movement around the screen it's fluid and quick. i understand what you're saying because you like that particular element it's where mm. i it's, it's almost like i really don't like inertia in games mm. when you want to move somewhere and you're sliding a certain way and it won't let you've got to sort of allow for that slide and it, i just can't compute it in my tiny brain so i understand what you're saying there well, I reckon it's such a great game, but it's brutal in its difficulty if you don't know the rules of play. If you sort of let someone have a go of it who plays games like we do, they won't be very good at it when they first play it. They'll, they'll be just useless. And they'll, oh, how, it's so hard. How do people get this good? When you 
learn the rules and learn how to jump and how to do barrel moves and you know how to do certain things in a certain way and the way the game mechanics and the way things move you can get better at it but it, it does take a while and if you do a little bit of research or watch over the shoulder of someone who's a reasonable player you can get quite good and actually enjoy the game but with a little bit of dk know-how you'll find the game so hard as it gets harder I love it and was really into it a few years ago with Alex, but now I don't think I'll ever improve my highest score of 238,000. And I don't think I want to put that much time into it anymore, practicing, because it takes a long time to get get your state back up to where you used to be. Mm. It's the same with junior as well. Junior is exactly the same, which maybe one day we'll cover. But it's, it's a very similar game to Kong, and it's very dissimilar to Kong. I don't know how to put that, really. Well, Alex was saying there's a lot less random elements in it. There is in junior, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There is, well, yeah, there is. Cause certain levels they flow, and other ones they they do have random bits. But yeah, it's. But saying that, I'm. I think Alex is better at me than me at junior, and I'm better than him at Kong only by a bit. Because very similar sort of players in mm. in skill, and yeah, it's. I find junior easy to play, but I'm not as good as I am with Kong. I think it's because I put more time into Kong. That's all it is. It's just practice and time, I think, yeah. to get into it. But yeah, I don't I don't think I want to sit at the Kong machine for hours on end trying to get as good as I used to be. I just don't care anymore. I play it. I enjoy it. I play it now and again. But I'm not going to go back to... I'll never be a, a kill screen player, ever. On that for a fact. Because no. my, my peripheral vision just doesn't work as it should to be that good. And I'm fine with that. I'm okay with it. I still like the game. And when I go to an arcade meet and someone says, oh, can you show us how to play Donkey Kong? I can at least show them a bit and to get to a decent level. When I play it now, I can usually get eighty to 100,000 straight away. First game, eighty to 100,000. Which yeah. I think is not a bad level. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But I am going to um, get to like the wacky new levels on the remix version. Uh, and D2K, D2K is stupidly difficult. I don't play it because it's just really ridiculously hard. I think it was just made for expert players, to be honest with you. Mm. And I'm not an expert player, so I don't like it. Uh, Remix is a lot better, I think. It's got the the crazy extras to it, which I quite like. Right. That's about it. Well, there we go. I did... I enjoyed it for the... I got sort of thinking it was quite good for a while, but then it sort of tailed off and I thought... There's some frustrating elements in this, and I, I can't be bothered to put the time in to master it. Yeah, it's it's super hard. And when you talk to people who don't really follow games like we do, but they obviously know who Donkey Kong is and what the game looks like, I don't think they realise how hard a game it is. Mm. It's super difficult. You know, you know, games like um, Ghosts and Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts and. And some of the shooters are really, really difficult. They're amped up just for expert players. Yeah. This game is almost like that, but you can get into it and you can get better. But it is brutally hard because of those silly, well, not silly, difficult random elements, I think. Mm -hmm. But if you're a really good player, you can sort of work out what's going on and you can get yourself out of trouble very quickly if you've got good reactions. And also you you can move things around the sort of way you want them to go and... You obviously know all the tricks and the nuances. So, yeah, great game, but very hard. Mm. Home computer and console arcade ports. So, oh, this is one we talked about earlier, actually. So, 
I, I was given, oh, I can't remember who sent it to me now, uh, a Twitter follower sent me this. Thank you, whoever it was. Thank you very much. I actually bought this game on the back of it coming out. This is a ZX Spectrum version of a game called Terrapins, which is a version of the arcade Turtles by Konami, which we covered back on episode 50. So, Whoa. this is by someone called High Riser. Um, I bought this from itch.io for the princely sum of £1.92 when it was converted mm. from American money. It's almost like buying a budget Mastertronic game from back in the day, only a much higher quality than the Master Chronic games we used to call them. It is a port of the insanely brilliant Turtles by Konami, licensed to Stern, not to be confused with the terrible Ninja Turtles rubbish, also released by Konami. So go listen to episode 50, and you'll get a full podcast review of Turtles where we played it, which I didn't get a very good score. You know, you thrashed me on that, but I think mm. I've, I've beat you recently, because I, I play that game quite a lot still. I'm very close to your score. So mm. this version on the Spectrum... Uh, the main code and graphics by Alan Turvey, additional code by David Safia, and additional graphics by Craig Howard. It runs on a 48k Spectrum, and that's what I was playing on to review this game. I've got a 128, I was playing on the 48. Uh, there must be a 128 version because the video I watched of it as well had jolly music playing throughout the game, and the 48k music uh, game has got no music at all. Nothing. The colours on the game are really good, with very little colour clash. Excellent programming for the Spectrum. Uh, the game is very, very close to the original. They've done what I like with vertical ports onto a horizontal screen. They've used about a fifth of the right-hand side of the screen for stats, scores, etc. And the remaining four-fifths of the left-hand side of the screen is the main screen. So it almost looks like 3-4 uh, rather than 4-3. Yeah, like a vertical mm -hmm. game, which is brilliant. I love how they do that. Uh, this improves the ratio of the game. There's nothing worse than a stretched game. Well, maybe rickets or smallpox are worse than a stretched game, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Or an empty biscuit barrel. Oh, oh. I don't like it. Oh, pain. <laughs> there are very minimal spot effects as sound on the 48 gig version, but no tunes or splash screen music on the on that version. Uh, you even get the cutscenes at the start and the beginning of the beginning and in between levels, you know, where this, the mama turtle's looking all stressed out at the start, and then between levels you're climbing up the, the, the ladders and the, the bugs are chasing you. Yeah. So the good points this game, it's arcade turtles. Which is a brilliant point, and it's very accurate. The one to eight K sound is very jolly. I like that a lot. I have to try and I don't think my smart card system loads one to eight games, but I have to try and get one that does. Perhaps uh, there's hardly any color clash. I think you do get a little bit when the turtles go over each other, when the bugs go over each other, but it's not. It doesn't have that really bad, you know, the big squares of color. They just sort of clash over the top of each other. Mm. But the actual levels you're running around are colored in. And when your your character goes over, it doesn't make it doesn't make a color clash. It's brilliant. It's really good. Mm. Uh, there's some slight differences to the game, the, to the arcade version. The level baddies are slightly different to the arcade. Usually, you start with three bugs, then unearth another two. Remember from the question mark blocks if you're unlucky. Yeah. And some of the levels on this version start with different level baddies, which I actually quite like. I think so some will start the real easy level ones, and then some will start the harder ones, so they're not all the same at the start, which is what the arcade versions are. So they've, they've sort of added that in there a little bit. And the bad points of this game, it's a little bit slow, and it's actually easier than the arcade version, um, apart from the fact that the collision detection on the Spectrum version is very, very accurate, which the arcade version isn't. The arcade version, you've got a bit of a hitbox on your character, so you can mm -hmm. actually scrape the baddies, and they can scrape you, and, and you won't get hit. 
And also, when you deliver a, a, a baby turtle, you don't have to actually go right over the the house. Mm. On this one, you have to go right over it. You have to sort of touch into it. So the Spectrum version really needs a smaller hitbox for your protagonist and the bug antagonists, I think. So it'd be more like the arcade version. In the arcade, they can actually be chasing you and touching you. And it won't quite kill you. But, you know, Spectrum version is pixel touch and you've had it, which makes it not as as good, I think. But the game, because it's a little bit slower and they don't chase you as much, it makes it easier. I think the first, the very first game I had up to level five. Right. Which right. I probably didn't do on the arcade, I think. But a truly excellent port nonetheless. So go and... Oh, actually, before I say go and buy it, yes, definitely go and buy it. But I did notice there was one bug in the game. On one of the levels I was playing, a bug in the game, get it? Pun, <laughs> pun intended, the baddies are pug, bugs. Um, two of the bugs went over the top of each other. And for some reason, they stuck on top of each other and they went to the bottom right-hand side of the screen, the corner, and just stayed there. They couldn't move. And when I got one of the baby turtles, the house appeared over the top of these turtles. So I couldn't actually deliver the turtle to the house because I got killed. Right. So that is a bug. Um, so hopefully I will tell them about it. And maybe they're listening to this. They'll know about it and can hopefully fix it. I'm sure it wouldn't take much to fix. But it's a minor bug. It only happened once as well. But the game is absolutely brilliant. If it's £2, rush over there right now. Pause the podcast. Go and get it for your Spectrum. Two quid. You can pay a bit more if you like as well. I think it's worth more than two quid. Lovely. If this had come out back in the day, it would have been an eight quid number one game, I think. Yeah, mm. If it was arcade, if they were billing it as arcade port, perfect. Cause it is absolutely brilliant. And I hope these people can bring it out on the, the Commodore 64, maybe, and the Amstrad as well. Yeah. That'd be really cool getting different versions of it. Excellent. I really enjoyed it. As these old computers and consoles age... People really get to grips with them, like Richard Broadhurst with the BBC. Oh, and that Thomas man's Spectrum. a master at it, isn't he? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, there's loads of Dreamcast games still coming out and Mega Drive, and they're, they're just pushing the limits of the hardware now. And the games yeah. are like, if these same games came out like when the console was hot, it, they would have been amazing. You know? Well, yeah, the thing is, these bedroom coders and, and the homebrew coders, they might get a few quid out of it for selling their game. Usually they give them out for free. Yeah. If they had produced these back in the day, they'd be driving around in Ferraris. Mm. Because they would have been paid a fortune for these games. They would have been number one games, some of them. Really, really good quality. Mm. Yeah, so really happy with that one. Next show's game. Okay, so next show's game and next show's show is going to be a bit different. Can you tell the listeners why? Yes, because you are going away to America again. Away to America. Away to America. So what are you going to do all on your own? I'm not going to be on my own, Vic. Do tell. I've got the cheeky dingo, Mr. Tagster. Ah, the cheeky dingoes. From Australia. No worries, no worries, no worries. And Darren Daz Domination from Retro Domination Podcast. They're going to be joining me. They're going to fly over. No, it's all sort of over interwebs. Interwebs. Yeah, so they're the two guys that are currently doing the Arcade Perfect Podcast. And also Darren does... Retro Domination, and I think there's a couple of others is involved with. So we're all going to talk about next show's game on the next show, obviously, which will be Space Harrier. Oh, nice one. I played that a little while ago on a proper moving one. Brilliant. My pick, Space Harrier by Sega. Sega. And the ROM you want is Revision A ROM. There's quite a lot of numbers after that. Oh, it's Lord. 
07513155163. As long as it's got A at the end of all those numbers, you play in at the revision A ROM. Okay. Lives. Go on. Three. Three lives. Just press the credit button once because it's one of them. If you keep pressing the credit button, it adds three lives every time you press it. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Afterburner does it as well, and you cannot switch it off in the dips. Oh, how annoying. Extra live at five million, which sounds a lot, but it's not a level up. No. And difficulty medium, please, kids. So, next game is Space Area. Me, Darren, and Sean Tags will be playing it. Submit your scores on Twitter with hashtag 10pscore or on Facebook as a comment on our podcast post. Pictures, please. Right, I'm going to try and get in on this because yep. they may have one at Ground Control or one of the arcades in California, maybe. Hopefully. Mm. So if I can, I'll have a go. But I'll do it on a proper arcade machine. It is it's very playable in main because it's a stick on one button, so it's very playable. So is it analog? No, I don't think it is. Oh, okay, fair play, fair play, fair play. Okay, <laughs> get into it. So uh, I won't be talking to people in two weeks' time. It'll be more like four or five weeks. I don't know. I'm off for quite a bit, so I'm not sure what's going to go on there. Mm. But I will be listening to you to make sure you're up to scratch, young man. Yes, I will. <laughs> Oh, it's just got a scary face in the camera. It's all dark where I am at the moment. I forgot to put the light on. And I, I'm sort of dark in the webcam. I just put my face right up to the thing. That's I'm scared him. So, thanks for listening. Oh, tell what we've got to do before we go. Yes. Finish the music quiz off. Yes. Go on, son. Give me that last one. I've got, I've got to know this. I know it. I know it. Do you want Jerry Beltram again? No. 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 No, I don't want your Hoover song, whatever it was called. Here we go. Here we go. You, you should get this. Go on. No. That's the wrong air, one, you fine. Not Airwolf. That's oh, the Airwolf. Why is it not playing that? This is what you get, kids, when you give pensioners technology. <laughs> pensioners? <laughs> Wait, here we go. I've got it now. Go on. Is it... Oh, is it um, Aladdin? No, not Aladdin. What's it called? Arabian. It's Dr. Micro. Ah! <laughs> when I played it, I don't think I had the sound on, because I was playing it on the Pi in this room, and the sound the, the sound card thingy, the USB sound, was plugged into the PC at the time. I don't think I had the sound on. Yeah, chitty, chitty, Do you know what? I'm good. I'm glad not to get that right. Mm. I'm, I'm the, glad of that. Four out of five. And you said they were going to be hard this week. You need to try harder, son. You need to up your game. You're very, very golden to got any of them, even though I'd done them. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you could have done is you could have read them out like you did before, and then you might have got them yeah. as you were doing them. <laughs> so, thanks for listening, and I'll be listening to you in two weeks' time. Yes, thanks for listening, kids, and catch us next time with some cheeky Australian guys. Cheers. Bye-bye. Goodbye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. <laughs>